Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. We've spent a lot of time over the last couple months talking about galaxies far, far away, and if nothing else, we believe in equal time for geekery. So instead of space fights and lasers, we're going to be digging into the finer points of science, diplomacy, exploration, and space fights and lasers. Because we're boldly going where no one has gone before and breaking down all the Star Trek movies ever made in this episode 94, number one, Star Trek Bracketology. I am your Uncle Todd, and with me, as always, is the man whose prowess has, with a tricorder is unparalleled on any other M-Class planet. He has been my partner in EDC for over two decades and has just promoted from Ensign to Wesley Crusher's personal shoeshine guy. I give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friend. He, he likes those shoes buffed very, very nicely. I'm sure he does. And joining us this week is a man who needs no introduction, but since I'm contractually obligated to give him one, along with 10% of any advertising revenue generated by this episode in perpetuity, along with weekly foot rubs, here it is. He is one of the 17 hosts of the Star Wars-centric show, scruffy-looking podcasters, and also an avid fan of Star Trek. Please welcome back to the Free Range Idiocy Congregation, the one and only Jimmy Dice. Oh, hello, hello. Thanks for having me here. I mean, it is kind of like a Star Trek podcast, too, because we do our Week in Star Wars segment, which really is just kind of about just our week in our lives anyways, but more often than not, tends to be my week in Star Trek, especially lately. A lot of good Star Trek content out there. Nice. Really? All right. Well, yeah. it's, good to, it's good to know that everyone else is equal in their, their love of all things Star That's right. That's right. <laughs> and it is an absolute pleasure to be back with you two fine gentlemen. Fine gentleman. He must be talking about you, Tim, because he's definitely not talking about me. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to get into all of those movies, all the Star Trek movies, not just we're, we're dealing with OG Star Trek. We're dealing with Next Generation Star Trek. We're dealing with Kelvin Timeline and whatever else happens to fall <laughs> fall in our past. But before that, we have to get to a little thing we call the Week in Geek. However, once again, I managed to. Well, I didn't manage. Patrick managed to cobble this one together. We have a sponsor. For the Week in Geek. This episode's Week in Geek is sponsored by every single package that has tear here stamped somewhere near the top, where by all rights there should be a way to tear open the packaging, and yet it either won't yield or is sealed a good half inch further down the package. Why? Because screw you, that's why. Tear here packaging, one of nature's worst abominations, and also this episode's sponsor for the Week in Geek. Week in So funky. So what do you got, sir? Uh, well, before I get started, I, I, I just want to say, you know, our last episode sponsor, wasn't that the one with the uh, package that's, you know, sitting in the snowbank or something like that? Yes. Yeah. Well, that, that happened again to us, except this time <laughs> our step is literally dry and clear. We got home from, from going out to, to lunch yesterday and literally there is a box laying on the damp ground when the step is totally dry and i'm thinking what is this person thinking but and nonetheless now we go. are you, 
you have one of those ring doorbell things, like a video or something? I, I don't, but I need to get one because I, I'm yeah. probably sitting on a comedy gold mine on that one. I, <laughs> I think I think you also got that package peed on. I'm just guessing. Well, maybe. <laughs> you, you've I, done something to uh, to make that guy very upset. At least when we had a snowbank, I could understand, you know, spiking it into it. But I mean, for crying out loud, it's just like between muddy ground and dry land, it's, uh, you know, dry step. It's like... A, it feels like a no-brainer, but apparently not. Well, apparently not. <laughs> apparently not. All right. Well, jumping into our, our Week in Geek, uh, we're going to start this week a little differently with, with a little mea culpa by yours truly. Uh, <laughs> last episode, we were running through our real in Jabroni. Oh, oh, Jimmy Dice, you're going to love this one. You're going <laughs> to love this. Oh. Do, you, do you want to explain it or shall I? <laughs> Okay, so here's the deal. We have this weird scoring system, which I I came up with for these real or jabroni questions, which I honestly, I I thought I was completely stupid for coming up with this in the first place. But it turns out I was actually planning ahead. So it's two points for a correct answer, one point for a tie, zero Mm -hmm. points for uh, for wrong answer. So it's like the old NHL. Actually, I think they still do it that way. NHL like standings. Yep. Okay. Okay. So this has never come into play because there's only two of us. Well, last time when we did our our real or jabronis for the book of Boba Fett, we decided to involve our kids. So we've we've got three kids between us, and I'm thinking to myself, like, finally, this is actually going to come in handy. We're this is we're going <laughs> to see the fruition of my of my dreams for this segment. And Tim's like, yeah, I didn't do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, seriously? I just did two <laughs> points across the board for everyone who got it right. That's all I did. I went the lazy so, man's route. Nice. Then Practical he had man. to go back and refactor it all. Yes, yes. And so I did go back and apply the uh, two points for a singular correct answer, one point for the tie uh, with a correct answer. And coming out of this, uh, we have in the following order, uh, Jackson uh, is the winner with 18 points. Kalen right behind him with 17 points and TJ uh, a little bit further back with 15 points. So that, that is our final. Uh, we, we, we had a tie last week uh, under the old scoring system <laughs> under the new system. Uh, not so much. So once again, as in all things, uncle Todd is vindicated in his uh, <laughs> approach to something as simple as uh, true and false for <laughs> television show. It's never that simple. No, it's not. And and I'm rarely, if ever, vindicated. Just feel free to go and ask my wife. Oh, God. Well, and then the best part is, so I'm telling my, so Jackson's my younger son, and I'm telling him, oh, yeah, you ended up uh, winning under the new scoring system. And to his credit, what does he say to me? He's like, well, don't, don't you and Todd get a prize uh, for whoever wins? And I'm like, well, yeah, we do, but not for you guys. And he's like, really? He was trying to parlay it into a... Uh, Ultimate Collector Series Lego Republic Gunship is what he was trying to parlay that into. Wow. Yeah. That's a kid with a future right there. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, nope, not not happening, son. (laughs) Nice try. Gotta say, gotta give it to him for trying. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100% on that one. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that that gave me a chuckle when he said that. I'm like, you know what? We don't get pappies when we do this, so you're not (laughs) 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 <laughs> oh man all, all right, right. Well, so that, that is our on? mea culpa uh on the real jabroni for book of boba so 
All right. All right. And, and, uh, and I notice here we have something else that we were wrong about. So this is starting off the show with a whimper. Well, I, I got to tell you, uh, we, we are prescient, if we're nothing else, uh, when we <laughs> went and did our quick Super Bowl pick and decided to both go with the Bengals and realize, well, we've just cursed this team. Ooh. We literally, oh, yeah. literally hours before the game cursed that team. So yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry, Cincinnati, it's mm-hmm. all us. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we, we both thought the Bengals were going to take it, and uh, it was basically a replay of the 1988 Super Bowl with the 49ers, except plug the Rams in now with the final uh, final touchdown in the, f- you know, b- basically as the clock is running out. It was a fantastic game to watch. It was it was really Oh, yeah, really it was great. It was a good game. That's all I wanted. I, I was rooting for yeah. Cincinnati as well. And, but any time when it's not a, a team that I'm really in for, that's what a good game. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Good game and a good halftime show, and the halftime show totally delivered. Oh my god. Oh my god. Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> don't you love? Don't you love the report afterwards? Like I, I forget who reported. They're like, <gasps> Snoop Dogg was smoking weed before that. I'm like, you're lucky that Snoop Dogg wasn't smoking weed during the <laughs> halftime show. As a matter I of mean, fact, he might have been. Like he was not on camera the whole time. I would. It wouldn't be surprising to me if they, if he's kind of like back behind one of those panels, like that's what Snoop does. Yeah, I mean, do you really want Snoop to be up there doing that shit sober? I don't. <laughs> that is an excellent point. Would he even remember any of the lyrics? Nah, uh, you don't get it. That's not a formula or recipe for a good Super Bowl halftime show. No, no. A sober Snoop is is not the Snoop we wanted. We want and and then we even got like Fifty Cent, who I don't believe was advertised. I didn't remember seeing him in anything, and 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 no, hanging from like hanging upside down. Yeah, like, that that's was cool. Who's, that oh, was cool man. how they did that. Yeah, yeah. So yep. once again, uh, here at Free Range Idiocy, uh, if we end up picking you to win, you may as well oh. just not show up. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're doomed. All right. Sorry. Uh, continuing on, uh, there's kind of a theme to this week in Geek. A lot of mea culpas, a lot of, you know, hey, I, I said I was going to make a point last episode and I forgot to. Um, we were talking about Book of Boba Fett, and, and since, we, since we have our resident uh, Star Wars expert here with us, I figured we would we'd loop him into this conversation. But, uh, you, you know, a point that we were kind of touching on briefly and didn't go into depth on is how interesting it is to see kind of... Uh, the reaction to the book of Boba Fett series with a character where there's kind of a preconceived notion of who he is, where he's from. Everyone's kind of got their perspective on him. And then how everyone kind of reacted when Mandalorian first came out. And, you know, I was telling uncle Todd in our pre-production meeting, you know, it's kind of interesting. Cause like, you know, could, could you see them do a Grogu kind of thing with a Boba Fett character? You know what I mean? Like, like probably not, you know, because there, there's that preconceived notion of him or as Cad Bane put it, you know, you're, you're a cold blooded killer. Right. Um, and, and really, uh, you know, I thought it was kind of interesting, you know, having seen the series play out the way that it did um, that I thought it was a nice way to kind of wrap up his story uh, and, mm. and kind of give him a direction from, from that, you know, trajectory of what he had been through. But I don't know that, you know, Boba Fett as a character kind of could have held his own in a movie or could have, you know, maybe been put through the same kind of treatment that like the Mandalorian was like, it almost helped the Mandalorian that we had no preconceptions of who this character is. And we were kind of going on the ride with it. Um, whereas I felt, 
you know, in Book of Boba, it's it, there, there was a lot of expectation, I think, kind of built into it because of how everyone kind of views that character from from a headcanon perspective. But wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that point, because it just it was kind of an interesting thought and, and, and you know, discussion I, I had with my son about it and, and just wanted to get your your thoughts. Mr. Dice. Well, on this one, the way that they kind of wrapped up the show here and and start to finish, whether or not Bulba can stand alone by himself in a movie, I don't know. That's a good question to ask. Um, throughout the entire you know thing, I've I've always felt a real good bond with Boba's how he survived the Sarlacc pit. That kind of ties in with EU how he kind of blasts his way out, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, how he like embedded himself with the Tuscans for that undefined amount of time, clearly like years, if we're talking a couple, because the you know the events of Bo- of Mandalorian take a place a couple year, a couple years after the events of Return of the Jedi. So you have Boba pop out right as you know very near during the events of Return of the Jedi, and then he's with um, he's with the Tuscans for that long period of time. Uh, that was really cool, and I was really sad to have that all kind of wrapped up and put away. I was really hoping for like a fake out at the end comeback from one of those characters. That would have been really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like uh, the way that they kind of presented the whole story and how they kind of surprisingly just dropped in season two point five of Mando. I mean, that's cool. Um, interesting how they did that. I wonder if like the whole Cara Dune thing had any like like. R- part to play and the reason why they did that to, you know hey look he has the he's got the dark saber cool let's move on and you know what i mean like they don't really explain like where did he get from a to b it's just kind of like all right this is this is how we're putting the band back together like you know you have groker and his mithril and uh do you see that lord of the rings reference there um <laughs> very nice you have you have you have uh, which was interesting when also when Luke sits in front of him, now I'm not even getting, now I'm going to touch the deep fake Luke. I think that was cool. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind seeing more of that. I was very surprised when that happened. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, right, you saw him. I was like, no, no, they're not going to make him talk. They're not going to be, oh, shit, he's talking. Yeah. Oh, my God, his face is moving. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, and, and it's funny when it started out too, right? It was a shot of his back when he was talking. So I'm like, oh, this is how they're going to do it, right? They're, 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 they're going to shoot from every angle, but at his face while he's talking. Exactly. You know? we're, we're not going to see his face. We're not going to see his face. Oh my God, his face. It's mm-hmm. moving. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how that technology has improved in just like a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, and and that was one of the things a lot of people had talked about was just how how much better it was than the end of season two of Mando, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So they gave away the Luke the Luke deepfake in the galleries, right? So the galleries mm-hmm. are like the supplemental material to release after the season to go behind the scenes, either like technically or with some of the actors or some of the lore. But this one especially came with one dedicated just to Luke after season two. And mm-hmm. they basically told us how they're going to be defaking every single one of these freaking people for all of eternity going forward. And I guess I'm here for that. I'm cool. I'm very cool with that. I know, I know there's, a, there's a camp out there that some people think they should just cast Sebastian Stan and be done with it. You know, just recast the character. And yeah, but Mark Hamill is here for this. 
Like mm. he's seeing this as like, man, this is the fountain of youth for me. You know what I'm saying? Like I yeah. can, I can live in, in, in perpetuity forever this way. And he's there for it, which, you know, I, I, I don't have, I don't blame him at all. I think it's a good, it's a good move for it. I think it was executed well. I think they did a good job. They got to be careful how they kind of tread here, but I don't know. They're just kind of like, boom, here it is in your face. And I guess I'm here for it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I think, I, like, like I was. Th- oh, go ahead, Todd. Sorry. No, I was just going to say. I, I think that the, just to go back to the kind of the question, like the whole. I, I think that you have to. The problem is with Boba Fett is that this it was built up so much. Yeah. And I think it was built up so much because he was a cool looking character, and there wasn't that much there. So then you can kind of apply whatever mythology, whatever headcanon you want to right, him. Right. Right. And then going and that's part of the problem of, of this show is that people had such a huge headcanon built up of him that anything aside from their own personal headcanon was totally unacceptable to them. And unfortunately, this show is not going to incorporate every single Star Wars fans headcanon. Right. Nope. And so I think that's part of the problem that th- that's the reason why so many people had problems with this show, which I just don't I don't get. But you know, it it is what it is. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I think about like season one of Mandalorian and I think it was like episode three where he basically goes on this, like, I mean, literally it was like what I had kind of as a kid envisioned a Mandalorian bounty hunter kind of doing where he, he just kind of goes and single-handedly, you know, blows into the Imperial, like safe, safe mm. house, gets Grogu, gets out. Um, mm-hmm. Like, like all that's a, a lot of that stuff they did in season one. I just, like, I just don't see that working with Boba Fett. You know what I mean? Like, I think, it, like, he, he was already established as something, and you have to take that something and kind of run in a direction with it. And to try to work it, and not, not that they were doing this, but I'm just saying if they had tried starting with Boba when they were doing the seri- these TV series and build with him in, that, in the way they have with Mandalorian, I just don't think it would have worked. Like, I think the fact they started with a brand-new character, no headcanon, no preconception, we're, we're on the ride and we don't know what this is really going to look like or be. I think it ended up working better that way because they had, I think, more freedom because there was no expectation. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas if, if you try to do that with Boba and, and it's with Tamura Morrison, who, you know, he's he, you know, he's older and he's playing an older bounty hunter. I don't see him doing some of the stuff that Mando's been doing. You know, I mean, Mando's the young, no. <clears throat> young guy and you know, to, you know, Boba's, you know, he's, he's in the twilight of his career, so to speak. So, <laughs> Well, but at least we, at least you did still get to see him like kind of go off. You got a glimpse of like yeah. what Boba in his prime would have been in that, in that finale when he's coming to save Mando's butt. Yeah. And yeah. you, you get the full on knee rockets, you get, you get all of that <laughs> and you get like rockets. kind of the, you get the, the wily veteran Boba Fett, like he yeah. only knows I can I can go for about a minute and a half, and after that I'm gonna have to finish this fight from a chair. You know, like, <laughs> that's all I got. That's and that all chair is get. a rancor, <laughs> which is a pretty damn good chair when you get right down to it. You Absolutely. know, I mean, uh, were you a little disappointed that we didn't see like 15 seconds of our man Denny Trejo? Oh yes, we I talked wanted about that last space episode. Machete, laser right? machete. <laughs> Right, like, ah, oh, like he saw him there. Like, why do you just have him there and not have him in well, when Boba gets the Rancor? Maybe because it makes the Rancor appearance that much more dramatic. But I would yeah. have loved to have seen my yeah. man Trejo. That, oh, that would have been great. Just, 
to have him ride in on the rancor with the with the machete with the machete over his head, just with that Trejo sneer, would have been. Oh, it would have been. And I mean, then he probably would have got blasted, and then Boba Fett takes over anyways. But it still would have been such an awesome visual. Oh, it would have been great. Yeah, absolutely great. Oh well, well maybe next season. <laughs> I mean, he in, is he's in Star he's in Star Wars canon now, which I mean, he is. that's that's mm-hmm. more than I've got going. So hey, I guess we should, be, <laughs> you know. Well, plus two, you have a. We also have to ta- take a moment of silence for our two boys, the Gamorrean guards. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that was rough, man. Yeah, the yep. Clutunian gang really kind of didn't leave much of the imagination there. Well, and, and, and all we, of those, we, all that stuff got got real, real quick with all of those things. Like you started going to a dark place. Yeah, we we were talking about that with with Chrysanthemum, just like the the whole thing with the Trandoshans and oh, axe in the back and stuff. Being oh my gosh, and, yeah, that's pretty. Well, I, I said I, I said to Todd at the time, I thought that I was like, man, that's pretty dark for Star Wars because I thought he was done. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you got nine mm-hmm. of them piling on top well with knives. It's like that ain't gonna end well, but. Clearly, he uh, battled out, but 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 he sold it. He 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 sold being uh, mauled by the nine of of them. We don't know what exactly happened to all of them. Probably they've they've been dismembered. But uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That that whole thing was badass. The whole thing. It was. But yeah, it was. It's too bad the mods survived. <laughs> wow, why the mod hatred? Yeah, you know the Back to the Future Biff gang. <laughs> You know, that, that was the exact thing I thought as well. The first time I saw those was, was as shiny as those things were. I'm like, hey, it's it's Biff's hoverboard game. <laughs> right, right. Uh, just, yeah, we don't need to delve into that. But, you know, too shiny, too, too clean for Tatooine. You know well, you know what? That was that was kind of a, a nod to the prequel trilogies. Like, <clears throat> hey, aren't you glad that everything isn't like this? Well. Mm. Uh... Sorry, I just love taking just un, unrepentant shots at George Lucas for the for the prequel trilogies. Uh, yeah, no, I know. I guess it's my yeah, we still need to have our discussion about Revenge of the Sith. I grossly, grossly disagree with some of the points made last last episode. Well, but anyways, <laughs> that's all right because I think that's kind of a gross movie. Oh, stop it! Hey! What? Wow. Unbelievable. All right. Well, we'll we'll move on from Book of Boba and close close the uh, book, so to speak, on 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 that series and move on to our our weekly enjoyment for Uncle Todd. The moment he waits for, he he studies up all week long because he he wants to. <laughs> Thank you, Bernie. All right. Uh, so we are entering into round seven, and uh, Jimmy Dice, you are are certainly uh, welcome to jump into this. We we do five yeah, questions sure. from from the obsessed with Star Wars, uh, test your knowledge, galaxy far far away. Okay. Book authored by Mr. Benjamin Harper. Uh, so these questions, I, I'd kind of been jumping around the first few rounds, and I'm now kind of honing in on certain uh, movies. So this is going to be Empire Oriented. All right. It's going to be Empire Orange. Heard, heard, heard. So we will get into it. Uh, currently, the overall score is man they call Tim 22, Uncle Todd 18. So he's down by four. Uh, we'll see if he uh, can get another one or two on me in this round. Probably know. not, because you're going to be asking me, like, hey, what was the name of the robot at the end of Empire that, like, buttoned up Luke's hand? Oh, you have the book, too? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna miraculously know it. Oh, that was a two one B medical droid. 
damn it! <laughs> oh, wonderful. It's going to be one you of them nights. You don't know it. who you have here, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> there's, I the wrong well, week there's, to stop there's, sniffing glue. There's a question in here. I'm, I'm curious to see if you're going to get. We, we shall see. Probably not. But question number <clears> one. What did the deck officer tell Han Solo would happen before he reached the first marker? A, he would experience frostbite. B, he would lose sight of Echo Base. C, his Tauntaun would freeze. Or D, he would find Commander Skywalker. I'm going to go with C. C. All right. Give me D. Oh, yeah. His Tauntaun's going to freeze. All right. That is the correct answer. The Tauntaun would freeze. Then I'll see you in hell. That's right. And then he, yeah, there we go. Then you just need to put in the theme from Bonanza after that. Dun, 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 dun. I was going to say, that was like the Star Wars Rawhide moment there. You know? yeah. <laughs> rawhide. Hit him off the pass. <laughs> All right. Now, this one I'm curious to see uh, how, how we do here. Where was Echo Base located on Hoth? A, Mount Ison. B, Clabber Range. C, Lanteal Glacier. Or D, Karain Valley. I said Mount Ison. That was my guess. B. Thank you so much. So going with B. I do not know any. I, this is, I have no idea. I'm going this with C. One. You're going to go with C, Todd? Yep. Uh, the correct answer, uh, and I, I went with A, and the correct answer is B. So Jimmy Dice oh, nails shit. it. Oh, shit. Nails it. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. That was uh, last last episode. I, I gave Todd a question, and I don't know if you would get this. Do you know what ship is the invisible hand from Revenge of the Sith? Which ship is the invisible hand from I, Revenge of the Sith? Yeah, I, I don't think it was referred to it in the movie that way uh, by its name. Um, would, would that have been like Grievous's fighter, maybe? That was the big uh, starship that Anakin and Obi-Wan crashed into in the beginning of the movie and got Palpatine. Oh, that's that one. Oh, interesting. Right. Okay. Cool. So that question was all about what class of starship was that? And the look on Todd's face was hysterical because because uh, I, I had no idea either. I've, I've, I don't really get into classes of ships and things like that. So, um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. Um, all right, question number three. What information did Luke Skywalker obtain about Dagobah before he landed? A, technology, B, cities, C, no life forms, or D, massive life forms? D. Michael Todd is going to say D. And what saith the dice man? It's that Snoop Dogg D-O-double-G-D. <laughs> That is correct. He detects massive life forms. Well done. All right. So right now, Jimmy D is uh, three for three. I think uh, Uncle Todd and I are two for two for three at this point. All right. Number four. What did Han Solo say he was going to do after he entered the asteroid field above Hoth? A, leave the asteroid field ASAP. B, go in closer to one of the big asteroids. C, hide himself in a flurry of small asteroids, or D, lure as many Imperial ships in after him as possible. And what did you say? 
Uh, my guess was B, going closer to one of the big asteroids. I'm going to go with B as well. Jimmy? Um, I think, because I remember there's the line that he says, well, they'd be crazy to follow. You don't actually serious of going into that asteroid field. They'd be crazy to follow us, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think he's trying to draw them in. I say D, but he does like, all right over there, one of the big ones. Yeah, that was like halfway through when he went and hid and the little alien thing was there. But I'm going to go D. I think it's right. D. Because he wanted right. to draw the fighters in because he knew that they would be insane to follow him and maybe he's trying to lose another one. Yep. Uh, the answer actually is B, going closer to one of the big Damn. asteroids. So the key, I think, to the question was, what does he say uh, after, after they enter the asteroid field, I think was, was the key there. Because mm. you're absolutely right. That is a line from it. And I was thinking that as well. And then I kind of went with the, the big asteroid one and happened to get it right. So. Sure, sure. All right. Very nice. And then the last Hans question. Polo. He likes he likes them big asteroids. He does. He does. <laughs> last Hoth question. Asteroids. What position does Hoth occupy in the Hoth system? Is it A, the sixth planet, B, the ninth planet, C, the third planet, or D, the eighth planet? What say you, Uncle Todd? I don't freaking know. Um, C. You're going to go see the third planet? Sure. All right. And Mr. Jimmy D. Sixth planet of the Hoth system, I think. I think. And I selected A as well, the sixth planet, and that is the correct answer. Well yes. done, sir. Well done, sir. All right. So let me see. I will tabulate. Uh, let's see. So I got one. What proof not leads? <laughs> stupid is stupid does Mrs. Bowe no you can't alright so uh, at the end of this round uh, we have Jimmy Dice 4 out of 5 we have Uncle Todd 3 out of 5 man they call Tim 4 out of 5 so we are at I think shocker. I gained, gained shocker my friend. so 26-21 is where the overall score stands so so thank you, sir, for joining us on uh, this 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 uh, round of the Red Five. That was fun. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And that, my friends, is the Weekend Geek. Thank God. Uh, no, sorry. I, <laughs> I keep getting wow. that inner and outer Way to monologue. Sell it, man. Way to sell confused. it. Keep getting that confused. Well, well. Thank you once again for torturing me with more trivia. That I don't know, but yet you do somehow mysteriously, you know, by by, you know, sheer luck of having the book with the answers in front of you. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Vote early, vote often. Um, but thank you for for once sure. again torturing me with that. Appreciate it. Hey, and now my pleasure. I know it is. And that's what just gets my goat every single time. So now we'll get to the main topic of the day of the episode of the universe whatever i'm losing track of things i've got a head cold so this is going to be real interesting so we've got a bracket of star trek movies and uh it's gonna be kind of interesting here because there was an odd number so we did have to i did have to substitute in a filler uh because as we all know odd bracket odd number brackets just no bueno so we will go through this matchup by matchup we have a uh, six ra- uh, six matchups in our first round followed by four in the second round 
two in the set, two in the third round, and then we get to our finals in round four. So everyone's already filled out their brackets. So let's start this off. This was all plugged into the free range EDC randomizer 8000, which is essentially a free web app that I found that probably now I've got some sort of cancerous growth inside my hard drive because of it. You're all welcome. Because <laughs> some sort of malware that's going to be not to be confused farm- with what we use to tabulate the real and jabroni results. So go ahead. yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably mining Bitcoin for Elon Musk right now. I don't I don't know. Like Dogecoin for freaking Mark Cuban or something. Nice. I, actually, if I could be Snoop Dogg, must have his own crypto, doesn't he? Like Snoop Coin, he must. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh, Snoop Coin! I'd buy a Snoop Coin. That or <laughs> NFTs or whatever. Oh, I'm sure. Anywho, so let's start off with our first round matchup, and this is interesting uh, because uh, not a, one one uh, loved movie, one not so loved movie. First uh, matchup is Star Trek Nemesis versus Star Trek Six of the Undiscovered Country. Uh, so. Quick little synopsis, Star Trek Nemesis 2002, a clone of Picard created by the Romulans assassinates the Romulan Senate, assumes absolute power and lures Picard and the Enterprise to Romulus under the false pretext of a peace overture. Uh, This is notable because it was the last Next Generation cast movie. It was also the last Star Trek movie period for quite a few years and is the second worst rated movie. It is 38% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Star Trek Six, on the other hand, uh, the undiscovered country from 1991, when oh my gosh, I should have figured out how to uh, when a moon of Praxis, <laughs> the uh, the Klingon Empire's <laughs> chief in energy source is devastated by an explosion caused by overmining the catastrophe, also contaminating the atmosphere. The Klingons make peace overtures to the Federation while on the way to Earth for a peace summit. The Klingon Chancellor is assassinated by an enter- Enterprise crewman. And Kirk and McCoy are held accountable by the Chancellor's chief of staff and sentenced to life on a prison planet. Spock attempts to prove Kirk's <laughs> Spock attempts to prove Kirk's innocence, but in doing so, uncovers a massive conspiracy against the peace process with participants from both sides. This was actually the last OG cast movie, so in uh, it's eighty percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. So. Uh, kind of interesting. These are both uh, last mo- ca- last movies for a particular cast. One did a little bit better than the other, I'd say. So I love the uh, fact that both descriptions have the word overture in it. Yeah, actually, I didn't notice that. Good catch. So uh, let's start off with our with our guest first. Which one did you go with, Jimmy Dice? Cry havoc <laughs> and let slip the dogs of war. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that I don't is the answer that. I went with. I don't remember that from Nemesis, so I'm guessing that's Star Trek Six. Then again, I don't oh, remember yeah. Nemesis ever happening. Well, so uh, come to find out, Christopher Plummer and uh, William Shatner have had this sort of like friendly, I don't know, friendly, not animosity, but friendly like competitiveness with each other ever since they were first starting out in the 50s with like, or not 50s, but 60s with uh, like Shakespearean plays and stuff. So they've known each other a really, really long time. And uh, Christopher Plummer originally wasn't going to do this because he's just like, no, no, Star Trek, no way. And then his big thing was like, well, do I have to wear the hair or can I be bald? And it's like, you could be a bald Klingon. He's like, okay, I'll do it. And he can like talk all and mention all these like Shakespearean references and stuff. So they crafted the character really to... To, to really fit with Christopher Plummer's style uh, and really just allowed him to be just an amazing, 
an amazing nemesis character. Nemesis character and not Dr. Uh, nemesis. Yeah. <laughs> now, actually, I just realized Tom Hardy was in Star Trek Nemesis. Like, yeah. Wow. I bet he doesn't talk that one up too much, huh? This was this yeah, was pre, but- pre, pre Bane Tom Hardy. It, yeah, was, it was. He still did a great. Shun, shun's on. Shun's on. Uh, he still did a great job, though. I mean, I, I, you know, Star Trek Nemesis. Yeah, it was a little bit weak. I think, uh, I think the 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 next gen crew is just getting a little tired at that point. And I don't know. It was kind of like the end of the TNG series too, like the final season. Mm. was kind of tired they just kind of ran out of material you know what i mean like there was no more big over there's no more board the borg have been addressed they tried to do some stuff with cardassian stuff that became the offshoot with ds9 and i don't know i think they needed they should have taken a break and just like taken a couple years to like come up with some shit you know not just like just force it in yeah yeah, and I'm going to make this a clean sweep. Star Trek Six for me as well. Uh, I don't even truly remember Star Trek Nemesis. I I know it happened, and I couldn't I couldn't remember if it was Nemesis or Insurrection was the last Next Generation movie. And quite honestly, I didn't care. So that's how much yeah. I I really took away from Nemesis. I don't even think I saw that in the theaters. I think I do believe that was a VHS rental for me mm. after the fact. Mm. Oh, but there's such the there were the Romulans though. That's why I was so I was so stoked for it. Because the Romulans are my favorite antagonist. Mm. Well, they're kind of like the OG antagonist for Star Trek. They were they predated yeah. the Klingons, right? Yeah, because they are in the the uh, TOS episode nine. I think mm. it was nine. Balance of Power when they first right. introduced nope. the Romulans and Sarek. I love I how mean, he just said, that's right. Like, I'm some sort of Star Trek episode. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. Correct. <laughs> well, the actor who played Sarek was playing the Romulan commander in that, in that episode. Too, in oh, yeah. That's, I what I, name was. that's always great when people get recast in movies or shows and they're just like, no, no, he wasn't. No, no, just forget that other guy. Just forget that other guy. Okay. Oh, uh, dude, Star Trek is notorious for that. Just reusing characters for just different roles. I, you know, I'm here for that. That's cool. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, it works. Yeah. All right, our next matchup hey, is... Don't I get to what? talk about who I pick? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez I'm sorry. Louise. I, just, <laughs> I see how this works. I, for, I forgot that you... I forgot you didn't, give, you didn't give your feedback. I'm just... I'm a little hungover from uh, Red 5 this week. So, uh... <laughs> it's, so the Tim, uh it's the backlash. It's the backlash. Who'd you pick? Who do you got? Uh, so, I also picked Star Trek Six. shockingly. Um, All right, moving on to the next ne- uh, matchup. Hey, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> what a dick i know <laughs> man it took you this long to figure that out huh oh, <laughs> gosh. uh yeah nemesis was a little bit too gimmicky of a movie uh between the clones and you know killing off data and having it be this sort of nature versus nurture sort of story with the the two picards was it was interesting, but you know, I think I think as we've already talked about, I think it was just kind of a, a worn out cast at this point, and and really just should have you know had a little more time and and maybe some creativity in terms of the story, because um, it just Good seemed night. like it was kind of going to a well that you, you know just didn't need to be gone to. You know, it just it it was just so I don't know. It it, it was just kind of odd to me that they had to go to that well of oh we've cloned Picard and now this is the I mean, I think it would have been much more interesting if it was like, you know, Kirk or something like that because of mm, just, yeah. you know, how outlandish Kirk was and that sort of thing. But um, 
but undiscovered country for me is just you know that and 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 Star Trek Two are probably two of the most quotable movies in terms of dialogue and lines and oh, just yes. you know just f- phenomenal uh, stuff. I mean, just just that swagger towards the end that Kirk has when he's like, "Once again, we've saved civilization as we know it." <laughs> <laughs> that is that is such a great way to end the Kirk you know sort of run of movies because that was him. You know, it was just yeah. like, "Oh hey, yeah, there we are." Yeah, and like we like we talked about in pre-production, no no coincidence. Star Trek two and six, both directed by Nicholas Meyer, and mm. also uh, Star Trek two was fully written screenplay screenplay by him was totally written by Nicholas Meyer, and he was a co-writer on six. So no nice. no mistake there that those are two uh, good flicks. Yeah, exactly. heard heard and seen. And I love the line All from right. Kirk: "Note to the galley, Romulan ale no longer to be served at <laughs> diplomatic functions." <laughs> What was the other one that you had? Like, what else can we mess up or something no, like that? See, he's, he's, he's basically saying uh, goodnight to the crew, and he's like, I'm going to go sleep this off. Please let me know if there's some other way we can screw up tonight. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Oh, I love that. That was that fantastic. Is Bones is like, I'm going to go find myself a pot of black coffee. <laughs> pot of black coffee. <laughs> Jim. Oh, oh my god all right stuff. so match up two we've got star trek generations against star trek into darkness so star trek generations from 1994 picard enlists the help of kirk who is presumed long dead but flourishes in an extra-dimensional realm to prevent a deranged scientist played by malcolm mcdowell from destroying a star and its population populated planetary system in an attempt to enter that realm this film also included original crew members scotty and Chekhov. Uh, this is the first uh, Next Generation cast movie. Oddly enough, this one only is 47% fresh, which I, I thought this would be higher because I remembered really liking this movie as a kid. Uh, a kid. Well, yeah, still, yeah, compared to now, a kid. Um, then we have Star Trek Into Darkness, which is the second movie in the uh, Kelvin timeline from 2013. A Starfleet special agent played by Benedict Cumberbatch coerces an officer under a blowing up secret installation in London, shoots up a sub- uh, shoots up subsequent meeting of Starfleet brass in San Francisco and then flees to crap. It's that same planet that I didn't look up how to pronounce from <laughs> from Star Trek six. Dang it. Um, Praxis. Yeah, well, no, it's it's the it's. Kunos, Kronos, or something like Oh no, it's Kronos. Kronos, yeah, but they spell Kronos. it in a weird way. All right, anyway, so Kronos, the crew of the Enterprise attempting uh, attempts to bring him to justice without provoking war with the Klingon Empire, but finds there is a much more to the agent's mission and the man himself than what Fleet Admiral has told them. The agent is none other than Khan. His allegiance and his motives <laughs> are initially not clear at all, and uh, Into Darkness is eighty for eighty four percent fresh. Now, of course, this is funny because. You, you have, you know, two captains in Star Trek Generations here. You almost feel like you have two captains because you cannot watch this movie without thinking of Star Trek, Two. I, you know, like you've got you got Chris Pines, Kirk, and always kind of looking over his shoulder is Shatner, you know. So what do you guys got for this one? Uh, let's start with Jimmy Dice. Which one did you go with Generations or Into Darkness? <clears throat> I went with Generations. Um only because, and I, I was fortunate enough to see both of these in theater. Um, start, seeing Star Trek Generations in theater was really cool because that was right at a time in my life where just watch, consuming a lot of Star Trek on VHS tapes just stacked up like a fire hazard in my parents' basement. <laughs> and 
one good match and you could probably see it from space that fire would burn so hot <laughs> with all those vhs tapes but it was so cool seeing like oh man these like my tng characters like my my family that i've like watched and rewatched so many times now up on screen the story was a little bit a little weak for me but it was star trek you know like mm. this is this is star trek it's supposed to be wild and crazy and doesn't completely make sense part of the time you know you have to take some real big uh, leap leaps of faith with star trek and uh, it grew it at first i loved it then I just kind of fell out of love with it for a long time. It really wasn't my favorite. Probably if you asked me this question five years ago, it would have flipped and I would have been into darkness, not next gen or generations. But lately I've been real flipped around. You'll see this with a couple of my answers later, but I just, you know, just coming back and found a nice new love with generations. You see Lursa and Betor. Um, you have the saucer the Dura sisters. The Dura sisters is a nice little like, oh yeah, they're still out there. Well, here you go, Star Trek fans. We can close this plot hole for you. Um, <laughs> yep. The Enterprise crashes. You get Kirk being kind of a badass when, you know, his last years of actually being able to play the character physically. And uh, it was cool seeing the Enterprise B and how much of a little bitch Captain Harriman was. Um, you know, needing, needing, uh, needing the Alpha to sit in the chair. You know, Captain Kirk stands up and is like, yeah, I'm Snoop D-O-double-G, motherfucker. You put me in that captain's chair. We'll fix this thing. Yep. What do you got, Tim? Uh, I went with Generations as well. I think um, something, Jimmy, you you were just saying resonated because when Ge- when Next Generation ended, it, it did kind of feel like a, a little bit of a, a comfort um comfort viewing kind of disappearing you know uh yeah. next generation was just was just such a well-done show and it was you know and, and then you know 15 years later as i'm you know i went through and rewatched them all on i don't know what it was netflix or amazon or wherever they're playing it um that'd be the paramount oh yeah uh, probably paramount now but um but no i mean yeah. it, it was just a series where the strength was in the cast and in the stories and uh, and and this was uh, you know this was one where I you know the big deal was it was it was bringing together these these two you know uh, the, these two iconic captains in in one movie and and the story behind it was a little weak but it was still you know to to me it was it was a great great uh you know outing there now I in, in fairness I or transparency I should say I, I have yet to see Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, but it is, oh, uh, in, in wow. my view, a little sacrilegious to have, uh, uh, you know, someone play the the con character other than Ricardo Montalban. So, uh, <laughs> so I kind of, although I understand what they were doing, you know, it's a different timeline, doing doing things a little bit, uh, you know, off off in that timeline in parallel, but different. But uh, but for me, Gen- Generations <clears throat> is is the one that is uh, near and dear to my heart. So I I went with that over. Uh, con too. So, <laughs> well, I just changed mine because of course I, you did. well, I know because I want to do that. And Hey, you know what? I created the, the Google, the, uh, the Google doc. So I shall do what I want. You can um, do whatever you want. Exactly. Uh, but listening to you guys talk about generations, I, I too have that nostalgia. Cause I, I was, I started watching Star Trek movies going to Star Trek movies with my dad and 
really loved going to the theater and seeing them. But like Next Generation was kind of like that was my trek. It's almost like Doctor Who, like which doctor is your doctor, like the one that you started with or the one that you kind of latched onto the show with. And Next Generation was my thing. I was not a I was not like a really wasn't a DS9 sort of cat. And I never really got into Voyager or like the Scott Bakula quantum enterprise um, <laughs> thing. <laughs> so it was really like, you know, TNG was my jam. And so I remember seeing this movie and just I was I was so excited to see Kirk and Picard because, I mean, you know, what you know, what who am I to what was the quote that he had there? Who am I to disagree with the captain of the Enterprise? You know, there's moments like that where you're just like, oh, this is so cool. Yeah. However, thinking back on it now, like, yeah, that story, despite having the talents of Malcolm McDowell there to kind of try and elevate everything, it is kind of weak. You know, looking back on it, it is kind of weak. And I did enjoy the um, kind of the, some of the the elements of Into Darkness, you know, the idea of like Star Trek becoming more militarized and and this idea of it not being quite as shiny or there being some 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 dirtiness under the shiny veneer of Starfleet, because it's really hard for me to believe you know, that human beings just fundamentally change that much that everyone is just getting along and all that. Like there's, there's going to be some, some bad apples, you know, and I guess maybe getting older, I identify with that a bit more. Um, and I, and also when you just think about some of the star power of that, I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch is, is really good. Uh, Peter Weller, man, I just, I've come to appreciate Peter Weller on just such another level in all of his roles. I just really dig him. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I, I'm I'm going back on this, even considering they did pull a switcheroo and you know the the Spock Kirk thing at the end, and you know and the Tribble Blood, and you know yeah, it's it's a retread, but I thought it was an interesting retread, and ultimately, just on the basis of some of the action scenes, man, kind of trumps Generations in a in a big bad way, and understandably because you have like you know Kirk at like 65 trying to make sure his toupee doesn't fall off, you know that's just the way it is. <laughs> He doesn't throw right, a roundhouse so, like he used to, right? Well, he never yeah. really did that well anyways, <laughs> really. <laughs> All right, so our third matchup is Star Trek The Motion Picture and Star Trek Insurrection. So uh, Motion Picture, of course, was 1979, the OG, the first movie. A massive energy cloud from deep space heads towards Earth, leaving destruction in its wake, and the Enterprise must intercept it to determine what lies within and what its intent might be. Uh, and so this was rated at 44% fresh, so not exactly a tour de force ratings-wise. Uh, Star Trek Insurrection came out in 1998. Profoundly disturbed by what he views as a blatant violation of the Prime Directive, Picard deliberately interferes with the Starfleet Admiral's plan to relocate a relatively small but seemingly immortal population from a mystical planet to gain control of the planet's natural radiation, which has been discovered to have substantial medicinal properties. However, the Admiral himself is a pawn in his alien partner's mission of vengeance. Uh, and this is notable. This actually brought in uh, Ronald D. Moore, friend of the show, Ronald D. Moore, who was a DS9 writer at that point, And he was a co-writer on this, uh, this script. Uh, not good enough to really get much above 50%. It's rated 54% fresh. <laughs> so a battle of middling Trek movies. Uh, Jimmy Dice, what do you got here? Yeah, I saw it in theaters when it came out. Uh, it was cool. Uh, f- first contact we'll get to, but um, Insurrection kind of fell flat for me. It didn't have the, like the really the gravitas. It's just sort of a lot of bright lights and fancy starships, you know. 
Mm. Uh, one I'm going to throw up right now that is just another one that is really going to be high on my rankings tonight, but Star Trek The Motion Picture. Like, this is, to me, and I've really, I've rewatched Star Trek The Motion Picture at least three or four times in the past year, two years or so, uh, during COVID, and it just hits differently now. I don't know. To me, it feels mm. like this is a genuine Star Trek story, right? Like, you literally are going... You know, um, where no one has gone before, or turns out many people have, but no one's ever actually come back. You know, feature and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see that. I can see that. I love the motion picture. What do you got? What do you got there, Tim? Uh, I just love the fact that in its title it says the motion picture. Like, like how many movies actually put that into their title? <laughs> <laughs> true. That is know, very right? true. Blah blah. The motion the picture. Motion. <laughs> Uh, motion picture exactly as if you're gonna as if you're thinking like oh this is just a couple episodes strung to get well i mean maybe they, <laughs> that's what people thought i don't know this isn't your grandpappy's film anymore all right it was um, the 70s there was a lot of cocaine going around they wanted to avoid confusion fair enough fair enough uh i went with star trek insurrection and this comes down to a tale of which movie did tim ha- you know actually see versus not so i have actually never seen the motion picture what i have never seen it Whoa. Um, All right. So, Jimmy, I, I'm just going to I'm going to kick Tim off this podcast right now and you're going to co-host this thing to the end. <laughs> all right. I will say okay, that sure, sure. that that commercials or previews of it have been underwhelming at best for, for <laughs> me. Um, but I just haven't you know, I, I'm not of I'm not someone who came up with the or, you know, came up through the old series. And I started with TNG and that's kind of been what i've been into and so um so for me i went with insurrection not because i think it is you know you know head and shoulders above these other movies but it's the one i saw it felt like an episode of star trek the next generation just on on uh, on the big screen and you know and agree you know i i, oh, yeah. I agree it was an underwhelming story it was an underwhelming story but but it was one that i saw and one that i felt was you know something worth worth seeing so i i will go with that over the motion picture fair enough i mean you're wrong but fair enough well come on um, give, me, give, give me the bernie come on oh sorry I, I i forgot we have this in here there we go um i'm gonna go with star trek the motion picture and i agree with jimmy uh, i think this is it does it kind of hits a little bit different and it is you know i remember kevin smith doing a bit about it just talking about how it's like half the movie is just glory shots of the enterprise because you know you can actually <laughs> yes it is they did like a, a you know the full-size model so they could get all the details so it's like that approach shot to the enterprise is like it's almost like the rocky four of of star trek <laughs> movies in a way like it's two or three like glory shots of the enterprise sequences and then a vague story kind of tying those together mm-hmm. but at Have the same seen- time like i get it have you seen no, Lower seen Decks? Mark. Lower Decks. No, no, I haven't. I keep, I keep meaning to watch it. I haven't. They do. Okay, so just real quick, it's you, you all know it's basically a parody about Star Trek. Yeah, you know, right. not really be taken seriously. But there's one episode. Uh, it's in I think the first season, second to last episode. Okay, just just jump right to it. They do this exact thing where they're flying around the ship and they're just replaying the main theme for like <laughs> literally two and a half minutes. And, yep. you, and in the th- but here's the best part as a musician. This is what this is what 
uh, just like hits it for me is that um, the music will go and it'll like segue into like something else and it just goes right back to it again. Like the whole <laughs> orchestra, like the music just just transitions back to the beginning again and they're doing another flyby, like over the top, under the nacelle, over the underness, other nacelle. <laughs> like one of the guys like just starts break down, breaks down and cries like inside the shuttles. Like it's so beautiful. It's just way, way over the top. And the music that they did for that, for that particular theme is of like this sort of like grandiose, like, you know, a lot of French horns and things like that. Like the Star Trek motion picture and Wrath of Khan. Yeah. So I highly recommend checking that out. They totally make fun of this whole, like, you know, enterprise, like stroking, um, um, montage and in a really funny, hilarious way. And, and the fact that it's only two and a half minutes, I'm thinking like, that's a good five minutes shorter than it was in the movie. Like they, <laughs> you know, it's TV. You got to shorten that. But that's like short changing that whole sequence by a lot. It seems oh, like it was great forever. Oh, it's great. Oh my gosh. God, it's great. And you know what? I love it. Give me that enterprise. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of cool. Like just see, I can, I can imagine what that was like as a Trek fan, like seeing the enterprise on, on big screen for the first time. You oh, know? In, the, in the theater. Cause everyone's saying like, Oh, that's the enterprise. That's my ship. That's like, Oh man, yeah. all the childhood feels right now. Well, and then you think about like the, the original series, like the way that they would have it fly across the screen. Like you can totally tell it's a model that's like on strings as like the angle <laughs> and everything. Like, yeah, it, it was exciting to see this. Like it, it looks like an actual maybe, proper ship. Maybe that's why they called it the motion picture, because now they could actually like do different special effects. And it's like, look what we can do with a motion picture as opposed to, you know, the ship on the string, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kind of really. All right, so our next matchup, this is a matchup four. We have Star Trek Beyond going up against Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Uh, Star Trek Beyond is from 2016. The Enterprise is ambushed and destroyed by countless alien microvessels, the crew abandoned ship, stranded on an unknown planet, and with no apparent means of escape or rescue, they find themselves in conflict with a new sociopathic enemy played by Idris Elba. Oh, what who a has who has a well-founded hatred of the Federation and what it stands for. Uh, this is notable as the final appearance of Anton Yelchin because he tragically died in an accident, uh, I believe, before the before the premiere. Actually, yeah, he would have because it, they, it was yeah. a farewell Anton in it. And yeah. it was also, uh, they, they said farewell to Leonard Nimoy and his character Spock in this as well. It is rated 80% fresh. It's one of the higher rated uh, Star Trek movies. Star Trek Three: uh, Search for Spock came out in 1984. Uh, the plot picks up shortly after the conclusion of the previous film. When McCoy begins acting irrationally, Kirk learns that Spock, in his final moments, transferred his Katra, his living spirit, to the Doctor. To save McCoy from emotional ruin, Kirk and crew steal the Enterprise and violate the quarantine of the Genesis planet to retrieve Spock, his body regenerated by the rapidly dying planet itself in the hope that body and soul can be rejoined. However, bent on obtaining the secret of Genesis for themselves, a renegade Klingon played by none other than Doc Brown himself, Christopher F. and Lloyd. Great and his crew interview. <laughs> could, could they not give us one of those in there? <laughs> his crew interfere with deadly consequences. And, and remember he had the Klingon dog? Wasn't, that the, wasn't he the one that had yes. the Klingon oh, the dog? Targ. Yeah, the Targ. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it's great. So this is notable because this is the first Trek movie that was actually directed by a cast member. It was Leonard Nimoy's first directorial turn and is 79% fresh. So, gentlemen, 
What do you got in this one? Starting with you, Mr. Dice. Uh, I'm going to go search for Spock. Right on. Not not my favorite growing up, to be honest. Mm. Again, another one that similar to motion picture um, and generations. It got better with age, like a fine European cheese. And uh, I just, I don't know. I, I, I really enjoyed Search for Spock. I, I, tr- I looked at it from the perspective of um, looking at it through the lens of what am I really appreciating about this film and like this era that they're doing it in and really trying to think about the story they're trying to tell with the characters and their love for each other and for Spock and like just willing to do anything to like keep them safe and you know, do the right thing. Right on. Tim, what you got? Uh, I too uh, went with Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. It is. Uh, I I will again be transparent and say I have not seen Star Trek Beyond. Uh, so another one I need to uh, make time to to take in. But uh, but yeah, I, I I feel like in the original uh, series of movies, um, two, three, and four are just you know just such a strong you know trilogy of of uh of movies for for that cast and just kind of the overarching you know story being told of of you know you tend to forget that they started this whole thing with Khan and then in 4 you know they actually finally get back to you know the the federation after all of the uh you know just craziness that that kind of went on in between so um it starts so with Khan and it ends with Darby Wales Darby Wales um yes so i yeah so i i went with this one just because it's it's just a uh you know it's a favorite of mine um i i like how they were building off the whole idea of of you know spock being kind of left on the genesis planet um you know for for the time when i saw it as a kid it was a little uh you know shocking to me i mean you know of course it was shocking when spock died in two but then in three you know, with, with us just being introduced to Kirk's son and to have Kirk's son, you know, basically be killed, um, Ooh, you yeah, know, kind of abruptly was, oh, yeah, yeah, was, was like in the first half hour or something, and wasn't violently, he? Yeah. 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 Big like it, it, it was, it was a little shocking, you know, shocking. Um, I will but, never uh, forgive them for the death of my boy. Yes. That will come back Ooh. in six. So yeah, that came back and haunted him. Indeed. So yeah. So I, I went with Search for Spock. Um, I'm sure Beyond is a lovely film, but uh, you know, I, I I just felt this one was uh, just just above and beyond for for me. Uh, something I enjoyed and and continue to hold in high esteem. Ah, I see what you did there, above and beyond. Something I didn't notice here is, or I didn't put together until right now. Both of these movies, the Enterprise is destroyed. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that was the other shocking thing was, yeah, they, they self-destructed the Enterprise. You're right. I know. Yep. That was crazy how fast that happened to right at the beginning. And that, I guess that 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 kind of turned me off a little bit to mm. uh, to um, Star Trek Beyond. Because for me, Star Trek is all about being at the helm of a ship, you know, captain yeah. of the Enterprise or captain of your starship, whatever you're doing. Um, I, it was cool. They went back to like the NX class USS Columbia or whatever it was. That was, like uh, wasn't the Archers. Franklin? It was a Franklin Franklin. You're right. Uh, but just the same style, same style of ship as like the NX 01 enterprise that Archer had, I think, or something like that. Or it was similar or it was a, th- it was a throwback mm-hmm. to, you know, it was a callback to the, that earlier, those other, the other show. And that was neat and all, but 
God damn, we just got like I, I don't know. You saw the Enterprise get torn up in Into Darkness with Benedict Cumberbatch, and now mm. we're like tearing it up again. But you'll notice at the end of this, at the end of Star Trek Beyond, they go Enterprise A on it, mm. which I thought was pretty dope. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's they? right. I believe so. <laughs> I yeah. So. I, I think so. For, for well. At least from what I remember reading of the uh, synopsis last night. Um, <laughs> but uh, way to go. Well, and, and I just want to throw in real quick that, that three did have a spectacular uh, explosion of of the Enterprise. Like I just remember that whole, you know, the the whole self destruct of of the the bubbling of the saucer section, and then just the absolute like you know implosion, disintegration. Of, yeah. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. It was um, fantastic. And 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 that's what's kind of funny with these movies is like those are the gimmicks that kind of go, you know, that they went to the well you know, maybe sometimes one or, or one time too often was, was either blow up the enterprise time travel cloning, you know, it's, it's just kind of crazy, you know, just what they kind of delve into and, and do it, you know, one too many times. Now I didn't realize with beyond and with, uh, into darkness that it happens twice there, but yeah, to, to your point, Jimmy, it's, it's, it's almost like when does the gimmick become worn out? sort of thing like mm, like it's yeah. it feels like it's being done for shock value and not for any real purpose of the story you know i i agree and not to th- to tur- to to turn back the clock a little bit but they do that really well in mandalorian mm. and in boba where they throw in those callbacks it's a little bit more offensive in boba than mando but there is a good way to throw in callbacks where it's not just in your face you know what i mean and they do that so well and and sometimes they do do it so they don't do it so well and this was an instant instance of them yeah i think trying a little too hard yeah yeah agreed well i'm gonna be the black sheep here and i'm gonna say star trek beyond so you will uh I think it's tragically named. I think it was it could have had a better a better title, and I think that does it as a disservice. But I enjoyed it, and I got and it. I kind of beyond the motion that? picture. Oh, <laughs> see right there, that would have been better. All right, sorry. Um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the J.J. Abrams Kelvin movies, and I I like it because to me. It didn't try to take Trek so seriously because I always felt like that was the thing that fans and and the movies themselves would try and do sometimes. They tried to take themselves too seriously. And I, I've enjoyed the movies that weren't trying to be as heavy, like, oh, yes, and now we're going to get into the science of science fiction, which I'm mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. is one of the things I always find interesting when when Trek fans kind of rebel against, like, the J.J. Abrams movies because they're like, oh, well, it's not real science fiction. I'm like, yeah, and guess what? Nobody turned out for the science fiction you know, Star Treks. Everyone wanted kind of the action or the fun or, you know, action packed Star Treks. Like all the all the odd number OG movies were very like high concept, very sciencey movies. Mm-hmm. And they're traditionally the ones that people are like, ah, they're not as good. The odd the the even number ones, you know, Wrath of Khan is basically div- you know, delve gets into like a sub battle at the end. You know, and then you have four, which is almost a comedy more more than a sci-fi movie, yeah, like right. a comedy mixed with a rom-com and then and then some sci-fi sprinkled in to make the whole thing work. And then you get into six, which is not really an action. but It's more of a drama action movie than than, you know, sci-fi. The, the I just felt number like the, ones have depth. Um, yes, they have depth. Well, no, because you could say the others did too. Because the next uh, motion picture has depth; like they all have, they all have some degree of depth. The thing is, 
you're 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 taking out action you're taking out some of the the more of the spectacle and you're getting into the like more high concept like here let me this is a big idea and it's like okay that's great but if you don't give something people that entertains them then they're not going to be as inclined and i'm just trying to say like i i felt like the the jj abrams movies did a good job of that mm. of giving you like the entertainment like realize like hey it's a movie it's supposed to be fun hey yeah you know and i i kind of enjoyed that aspect of it no, um, I want to punish my mind when trying to overthink something. Darmok yeah. and Jalad with arms wide. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is such a great episode. I'm sorry. Mirab with sails unfurled. Lights. <laughs> oh, gosh. That, and that's another good one, too. There are four lights. Yes. But um, Dar- Darmok, like though, that's, that's in a class all its own. <laughs> I like Beyond. I like the fact that you, again, you're kind of getting some of the, the, the undertones of like, oh, the darker side of, you know, the of the the Federation and and what you know, what are the consequences of of a of a group like this just kind of operating and what does it look like and I just kind of I kind of appreciate that and it was fun and it had some fun action sequences and you know yeah some of it is a little bit like meh okay a little over the top but still fun you know Absolutely, and I enjoyed man. it. This I have fun, to yeah ask. I mean yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jim. No, no, go ahead. What's your question? No, I, I was going to ask, is this the movie where they have some sequence where they play the Beastie Boys? Yes. And it's a callback to the first one, the first J.J. Abrams movie, because mm-hmm. that was the that's uh, where you get intro introduced to, to, to Kirk with hearing Beastie Boys sabotage. Mm-hmm. And it just gotcha. so happens that when they when they find the frequency that they're going to disrupt all these things that the the person, the I forget. Oh, what's her name? Jay, Jai, uh, crap. I can't remember the, the character's name now. I don't remember. I know she had the black and white tattoos on her face. Yeah. And, and she's like, uh, here comes the beats and the loud and the loud shouting or something. And, and that's the song. And you get that moment with Chris Pine where he's like, it's a good song. <laughs> which, I, mm-hmm. which again, yeah. I'm just like, you know what? Damn it. It's fun. It's fun. It's a movie. These are supposed to be fun. Like, again, I don't want to punish my brain. Oh, I, I thought that was great. That was actually one of my more favorite moments of the movie. Um, yeah. I also liked how at the very beginning, the Enterprise would fly into the superstructure of the Starbase. Mm. Yes. Oh, that yeah, whole, that was that cool. That whole montage scene was really cool. At the very, very end, we also got a taste of it, too, when they, like, you know, built a new star, new Enterprise overnight, basically. Yeah. And, um, oh, and actually, at the beginning of Beyond, that was when they, when you kind of get like the the boring side of what like life on a five year mission is, mm-hmm. right? When it's like you just it's sort of like oh yeah, and then this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens. Like oh my gosh, it's like Groundhog Day in some ways. I'm like this sucks. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be more exciting. Anywho, all right, so cool. We got two for a. Uh, Search for Spock and Me on Beyond. Next up in our, uh, what is this? The fifth matchup, we have Star Trek First Contact and Star Trek The Final Frontier, otherwise known as, well, we know what's going to happen here. So Star Trek First Contact from 1996, after a failed attempt to assault Earth, the Borg attempt to prevent first contact between humans and Vulcans by interfering with Zephram Cochran's warp, sp- warp test in the past. Picard must confront the demons, which stem from his assimilation into the collective as he leads the new Enterprise E back through time to ensure the test and subsequent meeting with the Vulcans takes place. This is the first of two movies directed by Jonathan Jonathan Frakes. 92% fresh, second best overall rated Star Trek movie. Uh, Star Trek The Final Frontier. Uh, 
uh, Star Trek Five. I'm sorry, The Final Frontier. It came out in 1989. Spock's half brother uh, believes he is summoned by God and hijacks the brand new and problem ridden Enterprise A. <laughs> That's right, Cybok. I forgot that was his name. To take it through to the Great Barrier at the center of the Milky Way, beyond which he believes his mar- his maker awaits him. Meanwhile, a young and arrogant Klingon captain seeking glory in what he views as an opportunity to avenge his people of the deaths of their crewmen on Genesis sets his sights on Kirk. This is the only Trek film that was directed by William Shatner and is rated 22% fresh, which is good (laughs) for worst in the entire franchise. Gentlemen, I'm pretty sure that this is a foregone conclusion, but what do you say? Jimmy Dice. Uh, I really love the uh, well. My choice was Star Trek: First Contact. Uh, Shock, yeah, not not shocking at all. Saw this in theaters. <laughs> uh, just totally was blown away. Um, yeah, totally blown away. You have the USS Defiant, that little mm. crossover from DS Nine, brought in, and like you, as soon as it. It cuts to it? Worf on the on the on the bridge of the Defiant, like on fire. It just goes to the Klingon theme, which I thought was yeah. super dope. I guess today is a good day to die. Ramming speed, prepare for ramming speed. <laughs> oh, that was great. You got who, all. Who, who else on that ship was like, "Oh man, I got to serve with Worf. I'm gonna die." Oh yeah, yeah, I sir. Totally it's the Enterprise. <laughs> Tough little ship. Little, little. Um, gray water yes. liners like. You told him about the statue, you know, like uh, <laughs> what else is there? It's like, I don't want to be a statue. Oh, yeah, um, James Cromwell is so good as Ephraim Cochran. He did oh, such a great. great job acting. Both, I mean, they have f-ing Barkley in there, too. I was like, <laughs> oh, my right. God. Can I just shake your hand? And he's like, Ugh. I love the Will Riker. Of like, we don't have time for this. Just shot him for the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that was great i just i was like damn it was wonderful um everything about first contact was awesome but i really love some a lot of key moments in final frontier as well anytime i get a chance to see my boys and girls in their monster maroon uniforms the, the dark maroon ones you know what i'm talking about oh yeah um, gets me all hot and bothered i really <laughs> enjoyed i didn't think i would enjoy it but i did enjoy it the yosemite climbing scene with uh kirk spock and mccoy that's a right camping trip like that was, they do row row your boat oh uh, that was hilarious <laughs> uh, i'm attempting to toast a marshmallow um i'll be damned a marshmallow uh, they call it they in the in the show they say in the movie they say marshmallow are listen, you serious listen, yeah listen to it it's not marshmallow there's like, I am attempting to toast a marshmallow. And then Bones goes, Bones says, I'll be damned, a marshmallow. And I was like, no, it's marshmallow. The hell's yeah. wrong with you people? Or mallow, <laughs> if you prefer. Yeah, right? But I, I, I enjoyed those scenes. Uh, I love the Kirk, Spock, and McCoy scene as they're like going through the ship and Scotty busts, busts them out. And he was like, you have a jailbreak of your sea one. Uh, you know what I mean? Back. Stand back. What are you standing around for? Oh, that was that was um, wonderful. That was great. And then you see her like the weird hookup with Scotty and Uhura. I'm like, oh shit. okay. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. That wasn't in the that wasn't in the Calvin timeline, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, and you have like you have Uhura doing like the fan dance out in the desert. 
Oh yeah, the naked Ahura thing. Yeah, that was weird. That was probably a Shatner thing. A sick freak. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm guessing. If I'm not going to be able to hook up, then so we got to have something going on here that's a little weird. What does God yeah. need with a starship? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that w- that was like I, the thing is like I do remember watching that on cable a bunch when it after it finally hit like HBO or something like that. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't hate yeah. it. I, I never hated it. I love it. You know, it's it's a great it's a great one. Yeah. Well, I don't know about great. I mean, it it's a it's a Trek movie. I mean, yeah. but you know, one's got to be last. You know, they can't all be can't all be winners. Nope. Uh, what do you got, uh, Mister Tim? What do you got? Uh, for me, I also went with First Contact. Uh, Jimmy already kind of covered some of the high points, but yeah, no, it, it was just it was it was the right mix of action of. You know, there there was the callbacks to you know Picard's experiences, Locutus, and and how that plays into it. It it, it involves the Borg, which is always going to be a good story. Um, love the scene when uh, you know the Enterprise gets kind of caught up in the time distortion, and you literally see the planet change from <laughs> the colorful Earth that we know to the you know kind of tan hue of whatever the Borg do to it. Um, that was cool. That was very cool. That was very cool, and. Uh, and and in, you know I was talking earlier about gimmicks they they typically go to it it, it was just it was a refreshing story where they kind of went to this whole thing of yeah how how did this all kind of start you know like you know when how, how did the Vulcans connect with the humans and and you know what what did that look like and having them kind of travel back and be a part of that whole thing was was I I, I thought a really you know it was it was something new and different that hadn't had not been explored in in other other movies. And so I, I, I thought it was great. And then, you know, working in, um, you know, just, you know, data and, and what Picard's going through and all of that was just, you know, just had layers to it. And like I said, like all of these movies that have been really, really good have had that sort of depth to them where it's not just like mm-hmm. or multidimensional nature to them. It's not about one particular thing. There's like a few things going on and, and it just keeps your, your interest and, and, really kind of makes for a really entertaining and, and fun movie. So, so yeah, so I went with first contact final frontier. I have seen um, just, you know, looking at the slate that we have here of, of movies. I mean, um, you know, the more recent JJ Abrams ones I haven't seen, but the, the original ones, you know, most of them I, I can watch again. And I just, five was one I could never go back and watch again. It was just, I don't know. It just <laughs> did not strike the right chord with me. Um mm. I always kind of thought in my head, like if, you know, if, if this is how I feel about five and this might be unfair, if this is how I feel about five, then I'm probably going to feel this way about one because it just didn't, you know, again, from what I had seen in advertisements and stuff, didn't seem to engage me in the same way. Um, Mm. But, but maybe I need to give that a, uh, another try given both of your uh, reviews of it. So yeah. So first contact for me. I'm going to make this a clean sweep. I also went with First Contact. Like I said, no no real hatred for Star Trek V, but yeah, First Contact was such a far superior movie, acting-wise, story-wise, just everything-wise. And you get the you get the uh the the Picard total meltdown over the board. That. And the and then you get the 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 sh- you get the final line from I, and I can't remember the actor's name and I feel horrible because she's been in a lot of stuff that I've enjoyed. Uh, but you broke your little ships, or something. <laughs> like after he just goes absolutely off. Was that? Oh yeah, I'm gonna look it up. I was gonna say, was that Viola Davis? 
I don't remember whose name that was. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, she was a she was Zephram Cochran's assistant right, in the right. in the thing, and yeah, and she's she's really good in, in the movie. I yeah. mean, for sure. I know she well, was in. Uh, good. I can't remember her name though, and I feel horrible for not I'm, knowing her I'm name. Yeah, it, it was right a great now. scene. It was a great scene for both of them because I mean, is I mean, and it's and it's I mean, it's just one on one. Her and Patrick Stewart, and Patrick Stewart's Alfrey no slouch, Wood- man. Alfre Woodard. Okay, and she was fantastic, like toe to toe with 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 Patrick Stewart and just both chewing scenery. It was great. It was yeah. great. So just on the basis of that scene alone, let alone everything that you guys have talked about, it is just is a, a superior movie. So yeah, easy, easy, easy choice there. And and one thing I failed to bring up was uh, when you mentioned Picard's meltdown was uh, him him calling Worf a coward. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And just that that whole that that whole sequence that played out was just for any other man I would kill you with your stand exactly oh my gosh yeah there oh so much good stuff in that one yeah all right so that brings us to our final uh, matchup in this round and at this rate we'll be done with this show in about another four hours excellent uh, we have we have Star Trek for the Voyage Home versus Galaxy Quest say hey, what I needed. An- I need another movie, and it is the greatest Trek movie that wasn't a Trek movie, so it seemed to kind of fit. So Star Trek IV The Voyage Home came out in 1986. While returning to stand court-martial for their actions in rescuing Spock, Kirk and crew learn that Earth is under siege by a giant probe that is transmitting a destructive signal attempting to communicate with the now-extinct species of humpback whales. To save the planet, the crew must time travel back to the late 20th century to obtain a mating pair of these whales and marine biologists to take care of them. This is uh, Leonard Nimoy returns to direct and actually, uh, as I mentioned before, Nicholas Meyer co-wrote the uh, screenplay. It is rated 82% fresh by Rotten Tomatoes. Galaxy Quest 1999, the stars of a 1970s sci-fi show now scraping a living through reruns in sci-fi conventions. <clears throat> little on the nose here are beamed aboard an alien spacecraft believing that cast heroic on-screen dramas are historical documents of real life adventures the band of aliens turn to the ailing celebrities for help in their quest to overcome the oppressive regime in their solar system and if this were a star trek movie it would be one of the more highly rated ones it is 90 percent fresh on rotten tomatoes so gentlemen in the choice between a trek movie and an almost trek movie actually more of a trek docu movie <laughs> Um, which one which one you going for here jimmy dice what you got Mm. voyage home yeah i i can see that i mean you i'll okay i'll I'll hold off on my uh my analysis for for my own pick uh (laughs) man you man they call tim what do you got i i too went the voyage home uh Again, this is one I've I've watched many many times over. It's just it's a fun. It's probably the most fun of the Star Trek movies from the original cast. Um, mm. Just just very lighthearted. Uh, kind of the old, you know, uh, I don't know what the right term is for. Just the the old trope of of just taking a group and dropping them into a very just different situation that they've never really been in before and seeing how they kind of, you know, behave and react and yeah. Like Picard season two. Yeah. You mean like a, a a fish out of water? There you go. Hey, hang on, hang on, hang on. There. (laughs) Well done, sir. Nice. Oh my goodness. Had to use it. It's there. I mean the, uh, yeah. So, so, (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my gosh. We 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 bring the quality comedy, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. You're wrong. Oh yes. Indeed. Uh yeah, so just you know, some quotable lines from it. Um, you know, I mean the the whole scene of Scotty trying to talk into a mouse addressing the computer <laughs> was just so Hello, you know, computer. So good, so well done. Hello, computer. Uh, and then you know the whole idea of of uh, Chekhov, you know, a, a Russian roaming around a nuclear uh, American vessel, you know, was no, no, a submarine. Was hey, just, hey, hey, get it right. Nuclear vessels. Oh, vessel. Oh, what vessel? The nuclear we vessels. Vessels. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, just just a lot of goodness. Now the the whole thing that started it off, of course, is maybe a little questionable. The 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 probe that appears and then disappears and we never hear from again um, was was a little interesting. Uh, but uh, which is essentially a toilet paper tube wrapped in tin foil, basically. Yeah. With a like a ball of tin foil that descends <laughs> out of the toilet paper tube. <laughs> yes. It's like oh. okay. This this is the like this was this this to me feels like okay we want to do a Star Trek movie but here's your budget and they're like damn what am I going to do on that budget we got any tin foil now <laughs> I, need a, this, I need a bad guy was this the first time that time travel was done this way we're using the whole slingshot around the sun routine because I, I think, think it so. is uh, good question I think it might be I don't recall. I don't recall it being used in this way in other, yeah. in other scenarios, but no, it's a good question. Yes, I think so. And yeah. and and the the visual of the crew on on the on the uh, you know Klingon ship was always kind of interesting. <laughs> the bird of prey yeah. was was always interesting, but but a great a great day. Uh, uh, you know, it, it it was a great. Vi- I don't mean to say vehicle, but um, what do you call it? Uh, I'll just use the word gimmick. It was a great gimmick given the story they were trying to tell because, of course, yeah. flying to Earth in the 80s, it was great to have, you know, a cloaking <clears throat> device of some kind to hide your ship. Yep. Otherwise, you would be, uh, you know, spotted. Shot down. Yeah, yep. and that too. So, yes. So, overall, just uh, just a fun, fun movie. Yeah. I was really close to going with Galaxy Quest. If, if the, Well, actually, let's put it this way. If it had been any other movie there's like a handful of star trek movies that i would have like there's maybe two or three others besides voyage home and i would have picked the galaxy quest because it's it's just oh my gosh it's so good Mm. you got sigourney weaver you got rickman i mean come on there's just (laughs) yeah you know i swear by grabthar's hammer you know i mean all all the whole thing and then just being so on the nose and tim allen like just like totally channeling shatner (laughs) (laughs) so great but (laughs) Star Trek four holds a special place in my heart just because this was another one. This is like the second or I think it was the second movie Star Trek movie I went to with my dad. So it was still very fresh to me, like these movies and like it was just so much fun. You know, Kirk walking across the street in San Francisco and the guy beeping at him and, you know, double double ass on you. Yeah, double double ass on you. Oh, my gosh. And like Spock, the nerve pinch to like. You know, knock out the punk with the the boombox and yeah. everything. Oh, it's just did you so glorious? So did you guys know that when they filmed that originally that scene when Uhura and Chekhov are approaching the police officer, that yeah. was actually a um, what's the term? Non scripted. Uh, oh yeah, legitimate, 
It was improv. It was a, a non-scripted, legitimate reaction from an actual police officer. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, they they didn't know that they were being filmed because they like zoomed in on them from away or whatever. But yeah, when they first initially did that, the cop had like no idea, and he's just like, "Wait, this Russian guy is just asked me where the nuclear vessels are." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, and then the pawn shop scene where he goes and he pawns is like those are a gift from Doctor McCoy, and they will be again. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, you know, they will be again. Great. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> I thought that was that was I, that was great. That was that's that quick, quick witted thinking right there. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. That and like McCoy in the in the hospital when he's like, you know what, you know, he's what's wrong with you? A oh, kidney failure. What is this? The dark ages and gives him like a pill. And then they swing back like a minute and a half later and the dude's cured. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That was the old lady. The old I'm not yes. got a new kidney. I got a new kidney. <laughs> <laughs> so great. So great. Oh, so many great parts in that movie. Yeah. And I mean, it's flimsy, but yet, yeah, it's I, I have a hard time picking anything over Star Trek Four. love that movie. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have our winners from round one. Let's move on to now round two. So now we get one of our two buys because we had the two of the top rated uh, Star Trek movies. We had to set those aside. Those were kind of the champions of, a, of different regions, if you will. So uh, who everyone's winner from uh, matchup one in round one is going to be going against Star Trek 2009. So this is the first of the Kelvin timeline movies. Um, in the 24th century, a supernova destroys Romulus, piloting a one-man vessel. Spock attempts to con- uh, Spock Spock Prime Leonard Nimoy attempts to contain the supernova by generating an artificial black hole, but is assaulted by a Romulan mining vessel captained by Nero, who is bent on vengeance for Spock's failure to save Romulus. Both vessels are pulled into the black hole and sent back in time to the 23rd century. Nero then captures Spock and uses the black Spock Prime again and uses the black hole technology to destroy Vulcan, Spock's present-day younger self who is a Starfleet Academy instructor and a volatile, young, arrogant cadet named James Kirk, must then set aside their current differences and join forces to prevent Nero from consigning Earth and the rest of the Federation worlds to similar fates. (sighs) All right, so that was a journey. So uh, this would be for Jimmy Dice. This is Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country versus Star Trek 2009. What have you got, sir? I mean, I'm going with Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. I loved Star Trek when that came out in 2009. Don't get me wrong. That's why this makes it so difficult, but uh, and a lot of fun. You have just so much good nostalgia with Star Trek, the JJ, the new Calvin Timeline one. I really loved it. I enjoyed every minute of it. Kirk and Spock's relationship is so cool. Leonard mm. Nimoy in there at the end is cool saying, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't discount the power of you two working together and what you can accomplish together kind of things like, listen, I'm like proof of this, like, trust me, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was kind of cool. Basically telling him that, you know, Hey, I already know who your friend's got to be. Listen to me, bitch. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, still cry. Havoc. <laughs> gotta go. Gotta go. <laughs> you don't trust me. I don't blame you. If this is supposed to be a new, new world, you and I will have the most troubling time living in it or something like that. Yep. Good old Gordon. Plumber man to the very end. Okay. Well, what do you got, Tim? Yours is going to be a, yours is the same matchup. Star Trek six versus Star Trek 2009. Yes. And, and I actually have seen Star Trek 2009. So. Oh, uh, good for woo. you. I, Thank you for joining the show. Appreciate I, it. <laughs> I do concur with uh, what, what Jimmy Dice has said. Um, 
I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, you know, a nice uh, or an interesting outing, you know, from a unique standpoint in terms of them trying to reboot or relaunch, um, you know, from, from a different timeline and, and how they kind of. Jimmy Dice together. is doing car maintenance in his place. Sorry, he's got stuff dropping all over my desk. I apologize. <laughs> he's, he's really rebuilding a Chevy small block. He's like, he's like Tony Stark right now. He's, he's rebuilding his hot rod you, while he's doing he's his podcast. Together this. Probably a model of like, you know, slave one or something like that. <laughs> type yeah. One. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, no, it's worse. It's actually my, cause I've, I've, uh, my, I was playing with my wedding ring and it fell off my hand and just like tumble, tumble, tumble <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> Ah, it's happened to all of us. <laughs> uh, same. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Please continue. No, 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 no worries. Good. No worries. No, so, too, so this I've, is a show called Free Range Idiocy, sir. You don't have to worry about that sort of stuff uh, here. Indeed. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so I have seen the 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 2009 J.J. Abrams version, um, but going up against Star Trek Six, which is just a favorite of mine. Again, one that I've watched time and time again, and as we've talked about, very quotable. Um, even if their manners at dinner weren't quite Emily Post, I think as uh, Kirk Kirk put it, uh, you know, just just I I, I have to go with six. Uh, you know the 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 uh, memories, the the you know just just everything that that I've really enjoyed about the original cast in those movies is just uh, it, it was kind of the perfect ending for for them to kind of ride off into the sunset and. And it was the right story to tell, uh, especially for the time, you know, where where you were dealing with a a major power, you know, being kind of crippled and now needing to negotiate a peace and and just just that you know I talked about there there being like multi dimensions to this, to the movies that have been very good and this was one of them where you have Kirk struggling with you know his son having been you know murdered by a Klingon and yet now he's being asked to negotiate this peace with them even though. Um, they're, they're at their weakest. And, and I thought, you know, a lot of the discussion that he had with, I think it was with Spock, not with bones, but just where, where he, he's, he's literally like, you know, just, you know, he's like, let them die, you know, like just, Mm. you know, just, just the, the vengeance and anger and bitterness that was there, uh, was, Mm. was just, you know, really well done. And, and, and the fact, you know, Todd, you had mentioned like with Into Darkness about showing kind of the seedier or, or more dark side of the Federation and, you, you have this grand conspiracy going on between not just the Federation, but, you know, Romulans and Klingons who, and, and it goes to the, I think the quote you did, you, you just did Jimmy between Gorkin and, and Kirk, where he's talking about how their generation is going to have the hardest time dealing yeah, with the way things are changing and, and that coming through and all of these, you know, were, you know, were thought to be honorable leaders of, of their respective civilizations coming together to try to, you know, essentially get rid of the, you know, the Klingons and kind of keep things as they are. So, so yeah, so, so six was a fave of, of mine and, and I have to have it uh, Trump over uh, 2009 Star Trek just cause it's, it's just uh, has a special place in my heart. That's right on. Heard. Well, I'm going to diverge here. Uh, I'm going to go with Star Trek 2009. Like I said, I am unabashedly a fan of the, the JJ Star Treks and the Kelvin timeline. I really appreciated uh, Star Trek 2009 because aside from the whole what if of the time travel thing, I thought I thought time travel. OK, actually, let's talk about time travel first. I thought time travel was done 
actually the best in this movie because it really started delving into, okay, what's the ripple effect? And we saw it, you know, you see it in, in, you know, Voyage Home. You also see it in First Contact. First Contact was also done pretty well, but I thought this one was interesting just because it, it, it approached it in many different ways. And having the second Spock was an interesting wrinkle. But I also appreciate the fact that you get the, the way the crew comes together, you know, because you never really saw that and you never got to see some of the the ways that those characters got to be who they are. And you also didn't, you know, you're seeing a different, it. you're seeing a different version. So it was a great way to kind of do a reboot, but have a good reason why all of those characters are different because this is, this is happening way sooner than it should have. Like this is happening years before Kirk should have been in charge. This is happening way before Kirk should have done, you know, all this, like, Kirk's early life should have been very different than it was. So you're getting a different Kirk. You're getting a different Spock. You're getting a different Uhura. All these characters are, are way, way, way before when they should be coming together as a crew. Mm. And I, I just feel like the casting was also spot on. I mean, oh, my gosh. Uh, Zoe Saldana as Uhura. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, Zachary Quinto as, as Spock. Perfect. Chris Pine as, as Kirk. I mean, come on. I mean, down to like Kirk's dad as Chris Hemsworth. That's great. I love that. Yeah. I was like, is yeah. that Chris Hemsworth? Yeah. And and the fact is, I, I forget who was saying it. Like they, they their wife was watching the movie with them. Like, how did they cast the same guy as as Kirk's dad and then as Kirk? Because they do. They look they, like know, they, they do have such a resemblance, you know. And I mean, oh, my gosh, like just the. Just the beginning, like, I mean, the whole beginning of that, of like Kirk's dad sacrificing himself. I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, if that doesn't like, like emotionally, it was like watching a Pixar movie. Like here, let, let us devastate you emotionally in the first 15 minutes. Oh, you're gutted. And now here's the rest of the movie. I can't take anymore. No, I'm tapping out. I'm tapping <laughs> yeah. out. I got nothing left. You know, I mean, it's it, to me, it was just a great story. And, and then to. Like it really did a great job, I think, of of tugging at heartstrings and doing it in a very artful way, like that beginning, and then even at the end when you have that moment of like the two Spocks talking, and then you have Spock doing the whole you know thrusters on or whatever, and it takes you right into it. You're like, oh, for crying out loud! I didn't think I was going to get any more feels in this, and, and now you're just going to wring some more out of me. Thanks. Um, for, so for those reasons, like I got to go with Star Trek 2009. I just I love that movie, and it's it's probably the it's probably the Trek movie I have seen the most. I've gone back and rewatched that movie more than any other. And because it's, it's also fun. It's a, just, it's a really good fun movie. Mm, I think. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Nice. All right. So now for matchup two in round two, this is basically your winner from the second and third matchup of round one. So for Jimmy Dice, you have got Star Trek generations versus Star Trek, the motion picture. Oh, what man. have you got coming out there? I'm going with the motion picture and I cannot wait for them to release it in 4k. Is it out in 4k already? They were doing like this. They were doing some remastering to it this year uh, to Star Trek, the motion picture for uh, 4k viewing. Uh, not that that led me any decision to making it like that, but uh, my earlier comment, like I think Star Trek, the motion picture really aged well for me personally. And uh, it really is the fundamental reason of what Star Trek's all about, you know, exploring the unknown and going where no one's gone before kind of thing. Mm. Um, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was great. I, I, a hard one for me between, uh, uh, generations, but uh, no, I like it. Motion right picture. on. 
Man, they call Tim. You had a couple of TNG flicks here. You had Generations going up against Insurrection, and which one won out for you? Uh, even though Insurrection may sound like a cooler title, I'm going to go with Generations uh, <laughs> because it is, it is, as much as we talked about how the story uh, has its weaker you know, parts to it and that sort of thing, it, it was definitely mm-hmm. the stronger out of these two. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, I went with Generations on this one. The two nice. captains battling it out against Malcolm McDowell. Yes, and and riding horses. <laughs> yes, and, and riding horses. <laughs> Which is so weird. But anyways. Time is uh, fire, which we burn. burn. Oh, My Malcolm- time is running out, Captain. You know, Malcolm McDowell is one of those dudes who's like, he, he probably, I think, has the lead in like number of movies that an actor has been in where he is like outrageously the best part like by a long shot in a not so good movie mm. like he was absolutely the best part of tank girl not even close yeah and i know that that most people like say what <laughs> like yes there was actually a movie called tank girl Lori petty was in it ice t was in it sure, sure. ice t the rapper and but malcolm mcdowell was in it and he was fan freaking tastic in a not so great movie um, but yeah, he was, he was great in that movie. He really nice. was like made it so believable as a bad guy, you know, as an actual like threat. Um, I am this one. So for this one, for me would be a uh, star Trek 2009 versus star Trek six. And I'm going with star Trek 2009. I'm staying strong on this one. Staying strong. Go. Oh no, wait a minute. That was my last matchup. What am I talking about? Uh, sorry. He loves the movie so much, he's going to leap brackets to keep it going. Yeah. This is, I'm sorry, this matchup is Star Trek Into Darkness versus Star Trek The Motion Picture, and uh, Into Darkness is going to carry the day. Wow. In sure. spite of all those glory shots of the, the Enterprise, I'm going to go with Benedict Cumberbatch and Peter Weller and just Robocop destroying. Yeah. Robocop God! versus Doctor Strange. <laughs> That's what I, oh, that would be such a great movie, dude. I want to see that now. Book it. Somebody, somebody get, get on that, would they? Uh, all right. So, oh boy. It's seltzer time. It's seltzer o'clock. Pretty much. No, no. I'm I'm pretty sure that's Jimmy Dice is not having a beer right now. He's, he's got a kid and he's got a busy schedule. I'm pretty sure this is a, this is a fizzy water to keep him awake. Much like us. This is the fizzy water. I got work tomorrow, boys. Nice. All right. So matchup three for round two is going to be our other buy, which was Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan uh, versus your winner of the pre of the matchup four in the previous bracket. So Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan came out in 1982 mm. when we have Khan Noonien Singh played by the one and only Ricardo Maltaban, whom Kirk thwarted in his attempt to seize control of the Enterprise 15 years earlier in the uh og uh what tos 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 episode called botany bay uh they have it here as space seed no you're right space seed yeah because botany bay was the name of the it was the name of the ship, ship. i thought it was the name of the F. no but you're right it is space seed unheard yeah unsmelt. uh seeks his revenge on the admiral and lays a cunning and sinister trap this was rated 86 percent fresh and was uh <sighs> Written and then directed by Nicholas Meyer, which was an interesting fit, uh, flick here because basically uh, after the motion picture, the gross was kind of disappointing. Uh, Paramount was not exactly excited, but they figured, hey, it's good enough. We'll try and get a sequel. Uh, Gene Roddenberry pitched a film in which the crew of the Enterprise goes back in time because you got to have a time travel story. Hmm. Goes back in time to ensure the assassination of John F. Kennedy. 
which is to ensure the assassin, to make sure JFK dies, just to be sure that we, we are all clear on that point. And the, the studio basically said, uh, no, and kicked Roddenberry upstairs to a ceremonial role and then brought in uh, Harve Bennett to craft a better and cheaper film than the first. And so then uh, they basically picked Khan and they figured, OK, this guy will be a perfect villain for a film. They brought in Nicholas Meyer, who finished a complete screenplay in just 12 days. Dang. That's all. That's a that's a short time. And I mean, they were saying uh, actually in the in the movies that that uh, made us, they were talking about John Hughes, about how he would write these screenplays in like seven days, a weekend, all this stuff like 12 days is still a very, very short time to write. A hundred pages. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Dude. Yeah, it's crazy. So they brought him in, and basically he then uh, directed it, and it pretty turned out pretty darn well for him, I would say. So uh, for this round, we've got Star Trek uh, for Jimmy Dice. We got Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan versus Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. So a battle of uh, OG trilogies there. Uh, who do you got, sir? That's an easy one for me. We're going with Wrath of Khan. Hmm. Because it's Sounds about just, right. it's just, uh, it's just so good. Yep. All right, man. They call Tim. You, your matchup is Star Trek Two versus Star Trek Three as well. Who you taking? To the last, I grapple with thee. From hell's heart, oh. I stab at thee. <laughs> oh, so good. Hotmail. Hotmail. Your is a superior intellect. And when you said oh, Botany yeah. Bay, all I could think of is Chekhov. I don't know what it is about him, but that, Bay. Oh, yeah. that is like burned oh, no. into my brain when he realizes the ship. <laughs> we got to get oh, to the yeah. view now. Damn. <laughs> oh, and then the, the thing oh, that that gosh. that movie creeped me out as a kid with a little wiggly thing going into their oh, ears. Man. Oh, no. Kidding. To this day, I can't watch that. Did not like that. It. No, that oh. that definitely weirded me out to some weird things in my life. I'm just like, yeah. nope, nope. Anything remotely related <laughs> to this, I'm just gonna no, nope. nope to this nope, day, nope, I, nope. I I have a hard time like using a Q-tip in my ear because I'm afraid it's gonna get grabbed. <laughs> like, I just mess me up as a child. Oh my oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. Like, so I'm not a believer in the no-win scenario. That's right. Oh yeah. That's yep. Right. Yeah. This, so, this one, as, as much as I like Star Trek three, you know, you, you, you talk about multidimensional. I mean, you have Kirk struggling with getting older. You have him reconciling with this, you know, nemesis who he basically abandoned on some barren planet who he's yep. now run into, who is now outclassing him. Uh, well, and, he didn't abandon him on the desert planet. Like it was actually a nice planet, and then there was an accident, but no one ever came back to check up on him. Oh, that's <laughs> which is right. Kind of the, that's right. Yeah, which is it makes it even worse because it's not even. Well, actually, no, it, it does it make it worse. Seem, it's worse. It makes him seem less of a jerk, but also like an equal jerk, as if he had abandoned him. Because it's like you never even came back to check up on that's these right. people, so now it's neglect. Yeah, you know, instead of just outright being a douchebag. Yeah, right. which I guess, yeah, whatever. And then you got. Kirk, you know, reconciling the son that, you know, he, I, I forget, he didn't know he had the son, right? His love child. Yes. That was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, so he, so he, he wasn't aware. Yet. Right. So he, he's, you know, dealing with that. And then you have the ensuing battle going on. I mean, there's just like all this great stuff. And then they have this whole Genesis project, which was mm-hmm. kind of an interesting, uh, uh, concept and, and, 
you know, just, uh, just the journey that they all go on. I mean, it, it's just, it's such a classic movie and, you know, Ricardo Montalban as as Khan was just so, I mean, such an iconic and, and well done role. I, I mean, nothing against Benedict Cumberbatch, but I mean, you just don't go back to Khan after, after someone plays him that way. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's almost like when, you know, uh, in, in the dark night, the Joker, uh, Heath Ledger, you know what I mean? Like anyone from that point forward who tries doing the Joker, it's just not like, that's the bar, you know, and, and, and well, you, either, you better exceed that bar or you're just going to be, you know, kind of a pretender. So, okay. Mm. Well then, then let me ask you this, Jack Nicholson or Heath Ledger. Can you, com- can you even compare those two? Uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, you can, but I mean, do you think it real the the comparison is realistic considering the the difference in time, the difference in styles, and and the different just in styles of the movies themselves? I suppose an argument could be made. Yes, that's well, that's kind of how I look at the two different cons because Ricardo Maltabon is is not a one dimensional, certainly not one dimensional, mm-hmm. but I feel like I feel like Benedict Bennett Benedict yeah Benedict Benedetta um, Cumberbatch's con. They gave him a little bit more depth just because at that point it's a it's a different movie and they're doing different things in that movie than they were in Star Trek Two. But it's it's but, not it's I don't I don't feel like it's a fair play one. Khan or did he somehow seal Khan as as an iconic role for him? You know what I mean? Like I haven't seen it, so I I can't really make a judgment. But when I look at something like a Heath Ledger doing Joker, oh yeah, that, no that's, no it's that's it's his. not iconic. But I don't feel like the I don't feel like Khan was that much of an iconic thing for it was iconic for Ricardo Maltabon, but that's also because what, Ricardo Maltabon had that in like Fantasy Island. I uh, okay, I wouldn't go there, but sure. Well, I I I don't know. I just I'm not familiar with filmography. Anyways, I just I. <laughs> I don't even know where we're going with this anymore. I, I, I All I'm saying is he was, really, he was a really good villain. That That's really where okay. I was going. And, and he really kind of established that that role for himself. And it's just such a classic, you know, Star Trek movie. You know, I mean, it's just uh, there, there's so much good Fair to enough. quote from it. And uh, and, and just, you know, the, the entire ship battle where I, I think you used a great analogy of it's like a submarine battle because they're both blind in terms of what they can see. Um, and they do the three dimensional thing, which you don't see in space all that often, which is yes. ridiculous yes. because it's like, yeah, you don't have to, and not everyone's on the same like plane here and they, you see them crossing over. Yeah, that was cool. Right. Right. So, yeah. And, 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 and again, you know, similar to Star Trek three, you, you just had this moment where, and, and it reminded me a lot of empire when I was a kid, you know, like when I watched empire, I'm sitting there as a kid figuring, you know, after Luke makes the jump and, uh, sorry, the, the, the revelation of Vader is his father and he jumps and he falls. And I'm sitting here as a kid, like, how are the good guys winning this one? Because I'm just not seeing it at this point. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's like, you, you start to realize like this story is not going to end well for the heroes. And you get that sense in this as well, that as it goes on, like Kirk is, is trying to, he's facing the Kobayashi Maru that he cannot reprogram. And, and he, and there has to be a choice made and Spock knows that that choice has to be made and he makes Mm -hmm. it and, and it's just such a, you know, so again, it just has a lot of layers to it and a lot of, um, just, just really good storytelling, um, just about humanity and, and, and the way we deal with, with a lot of different facets of life. So I, I thought it was, I thought it was really cool. Mm -hmm. Heard. Right on. 
So for me, this was uh, Star Trek Two versus Star Trek Beyond. And as much as I love Beyond, uh, yeah, it's not as good as Wrath of Khan. So Star Trek Two for me, uh, and I did. I, I just appreciate a lot of the little kind of fun moments, you know, like the whole days, uh, hours into days, you know, all that sort of thing. Minutes like, instead of hours, yeah, uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, Savic, that's and, right, uh, as as the protege. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Kirsty Alley, a pre a pre Cheers pre insane Kirsty Alley uh, in this, and uh, yeah, it was it was just overall a good flick. Yep, your wiggly things aside. <laughs> All right, so next uh, the final matchup in round two is the winner of five and six matchups in round one. So this is going to be Star Trek First Contact versus Star Trek Four for Mr. Jimmy Dice, and what do you have? Uh, going first contact, Todd. Whoa, all right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, you love, love you some Zephram Cochran. As much as, as much as uh, I like the transparent aluminum scene. <laughs> um, Which is apparently now a thing, for real. I'm like, Oh, okay. yeah, not surprised, not surprised. Not, the not Simpsons the, and Star Trek 4, just predicting the future. Pretty much, right? Uh, to where we have the, uh, if you were any other man, I would kill you where you stand. Good old Worf quote there. Um, yeah. But yeah, gotta go first contact. Love it and heard it. All right. So, man, they call Tim. For you, this is first contact versus the voyage home. Which one you taking? Uh, I'm going to take first contact as well. Uh, as much as I enjoy the voyage home, uh, I feel like uh, first contact just just has more meat to it and is just a uh, just 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 a better story, uh, meatier story, deeper story uh, than than the voyage home. And so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give it the nod over Star Trek Four. Nice, fair enough. And it's the Big same uh, same one for me. First contact versus voyage home and. I'm going to be the lone dissenting voice here. I'm going to go with Star Trek for the voyage home. Uh, nostalgia just totally wins out for me. Not, I, not everyone's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Believe me. I know. Once again, <laughs> go ahead and ask my wife and she'll let you know. All right. So that takes us to round three. And we've got the winner of uh, the first and second matchups from round two in this one uh so that would be star trek six against the star trek motion picture for mr jimmy dice and which one are you taking yeah and um this one's a tough one for me again really loving motion picture right now motion picture is great um but uh i gotta go with star trek six the undiscovered country all right nice I'm just, and I'm just, I'm let's see it. here for Mr. The Man They Call Tim, we've got, what, Star Trek Six versus Generations. Which one are you taking? Well, when we did Generations and Insurrections, it, 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 or Insurrection, it was kind of a, you know, toss-up. Uh, this, this this one is is just a, a David Goliath sort of situation here. It's, <laughs> it's a squash match. It's, it's a squash match. It's a squash match. It's 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 Lesnar versus some ham and egger. So, um, <laughs> so Actually, yeah, just Lesnar versus anybody these days. <laughs> Anyone not named Roman Reigns, and you're basically Indeed. like, so Indeed. do I get thirty seconds, forty seconds? Do I even get a move in? Is no, no, okay, perfect, <laughs> great. Yeah. Thanks. So, uh, Star Trek six, uh, and and you know, I keep using the term depth, but but I. You know, for a lot of these that are advancing, it, it comes down to for me. For for me, it's the story to some degree, and 
and, and, and the entertainment value. And, and six is just, as I've mentioned, it's just such a quotable and fun, uh, and, and entertaining, you know, mm. movie, uh, as compared to generations, it, it generations just doesn't hold a candle to it. So I'm, I'm going with six. True. Excellent. All choice. Right. So for me, this comes down to a battle of the Kelvins. Uh, this is Star Trek 2009 versus Star Trek into darkness. And I'm going to go with Star Trek 2009. As much as I love Into Darkness, 2009 is going to take the day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Benedict Cumberbatch didn't put it over the edge enough, huh? No, no, not quite. Not quite. You're not one of his oh. cumber, cumber bitchnesses, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm a cumber bitch. I ain't going to lie to you. Benedict Cumberbatch is my man. He'd love you some Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Oh, fantastic. Or some Sherlock, whichever the two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe Doctor Strange with a Sherlock hat on. Or, or the power of dog. Power of dog. What? Oh, Oscar, right. That's the latest movie power, that came out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oscar nominated this year. Benedict Cumberbatch, Kristen Dunst, Jesse Plemons, Fat Matt mm. Damon. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Fat Matt Damon. Okay. That's what he's going by. Actually, <laughs> you know you know who loves some Kirsten Dunst is, is the man they call Tim. He's, oh, he is, God. He loves him some Kirsten Dunst. It's Fargo, baby. Oh, she she did me in on our Spider-Man No Way Home real in Jabroni. I I I ended up going for a couple of uh, rumors around her. You invested up and, heavily yeah, in Kirsten Dunst it, on those. I, it cost me a bottle of bourbon. So, oh no, yeah. oh no. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, matchup two in round three is going to be the winner of three and four in from round two. So this is going to be uh, Star Trek Two: Wrath of Khan versus Star Trek First Contact for Mister Jimmy Dice. Which one are you going to go here? This is like this is like which kid are you going to save in the house fire? It's which which one are you going to go? Getting here? difficult. Uh yeah, no winner of three because I have the Wrath of Khan and then Star Trek First Contact here. Ah, uh, nah, I'm going with going with Wrath of Khan. It's my OG crew. You got mm. the introductory, the monster maroon uniform, which was of that era. The more like uh, the way they described it is the milit- more militarization of Starfleet. So you have the Federation, mm. right? That's like the overall entity. And then the military branch arm of that is Starfleet. So, you know, they mentioned ah. it in Star Trek six. Like, are we talking about mothballing the Starfleet bill? Um, you know, when they were talking about peace with the Klingons, because in this time period in real life, the United States, the Federation and the Klingons of the USSR. Yep. As far as those parallels and, uh, same thing with the overmining thing on Praxis that was really to represent like Chernobyl and uh, lack of safety precautions and things like that. Um, so on this, I, I just, I don't know. I just, I love the Wrath of Khan. I love everything about it. It's just a real fun, great movie. And you're seeing our characters at, at their prime with the power of, at the time, Paramount Studios behind them. Mm-hmm. All right, Tim. So for you, this is going to be Wrath of Khan versus First Contact. Who do you got? Like a poor marksman, you keep missing the target. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh. So much good stuff in that one. Uh, Star Star Trek Two. Uh, as just just a minute, Con. It's coming through now. <laughs> oh man! I, as much as I love First Contact, uh, now 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 we're getting down to the to the nuts and bolts, and and uh, two two outshines that one. Um, not by much, but but it it for me at least it it just has its standout moments, and it's the best. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. go with mm-hmm. number two, Star Trek Two. Nice, good choice. I, 
I do appreciate how even like like the the whole ship's about to get blown up. Like things are things are down to the nitty gritty. This is the worst of the worst. And Kirk looks around like furtively before he puts his glasses on. Like, oh god, I hope no one's watching me. Like that's how vain this character is. Yeah. Like even on Death's door. Like, oh god, I hope they don't know I need glasses. Like, yes. <laughs> it's such a telling moment for that character, and so I just a great little bit of business. I he's love. So it. he's so self conscious, so self conscious. Yes. Oh yeah, and and that whole thing where you know Bones is like going off on him in in his apartment. Which is like you know straight out of like the Playboy collection from like the early eighties, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Don't beat around the bush, Bones. Tell me how you really feel." <laughs> oh, so so many great moments, mm-hmm. uh, and that that my matchup is uh, Star Trek Two versus Star Trek Four, and. Uh, it's tough to do, but again, nostalgia is just going to win it out for me. I have a lot of love for Star Trek Four, a lot of love for it, so I'm going with Star Trek Four. Which brings us to our finals, Mister Jimmy Dice. Here it is, the final, all the marbles. final, final <clears throat> yeah, for, all, for all the marbles. I mean, not really, because I mean, you can watch any of these on Paramount anytime you want. <laughs> but this, uh, for the purposes of our podcast, uh, the Star Trek Six versus Star Trek Two. Which one are you going to take as your overall best? Trick us, should we not laugh? Prick us, should we not bleed? Wrong us, shall we not revenge? It is Star Trek VI, the undiscovered country, as my win out against Star Trek II, the Wrath of Khan from my most favorite Star Trek. If I were to rank all the movies, just, you know, mm-hmm. A to nice. Z, 1 to nice. 10. It is Star Trek VI, the undiscovered country, and I love it. <laughs> Awesome. I can tell you've been you've been unwavering in your support of this flick right from the beginning. So it's not that hard to believe. You know, you know what you love and you love it. Indeed. All right, Tim, you have the exact same matchup. What do you got? Well, I went the other way. Ooh. Uh, I went the other way. I it, and it was hard. It 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 breaks the heart um, to have to pick <laughs> one of these. Um, I know, right? But uh, but yeah, I, I had to go with Star Trek too. That that you know for for whatever reason is is just the one that just kind of it, it sits well with me and is one of my favorites. And it's the go to. Uh, you know, if it's ever on TV, I'm always plopping down watching it, no matter at what point in the in, in the movie it is. It's it's just a favorite of mine. And uh, uh, and and you know, I haven't touched on it yet, but you know, the, the end where, where you have Kirk dealing with Spock's death, you know, Spock sacrificing mm. himself and Kirk kind of understanding, uh, get, getting the lesson that you can't, you can't cheat death all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Was, and he has was, been, and he has been exactly, exactly. Yep. And, and I always found, you know, going back to generations, I always found it ironic that the way Kirk dies is on land. You know, like like he 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 doesn't die yeah. in space. He he dies mm-hmm. on land, and and I think that that makes sense given his character. He's he's just too darn smart for 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 dying in space. And hey, uh, he didn't die alone either, like he predicted in Star Trek Five. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. He did so, not die yeah. alone. So my my favorite, the cream of the crop, if you will, uh, Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Nice. From hell's heart, I spit at thee. Now, what I find interesting For here is you sake. <laughs> <laughs> is you 
is the man they call Tim is the same man who asked me not maybe was was the last episode if the if the last uh if Mandalore if no the book of Boba Fett kind of took the shine off of the end of the season two finale of Mandalorian and here we yeah. are talking about the sacrifice of Spock and 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 Kirk coming to terms with death and then the next movie Spock's alive well but through, through storyline continuity yeah what? through no, creative I, creative narrative plot points I, I i i'm not i'm just pointing out that i think it's just kind of amusing i'm not saying it's wrong i mean no need to gang up on me why are you, you trying know? to hate star trek todd <laughs> well why do you hate so star trek <laughs> i spend so much time hating on star wars fans i guess i had equal <laughs> opportunity you know oh, that's proper that's proper proper Oh, so for me, my final matchup is Star Trek 2009 versus two, uh, Star Trek 4. And you know what? Star Trek 4 was the Cinderella at the dance. And ding, ding, it is midnight and it's going to win out. Star Trek 2009 is my fave Star Trek movie from nice. this bracket. Nice. nice. Again, watched it the most. And uh, yeah, you know, just like Bones said, you know. Oh, what what do you say? Uh, you know, she got the whole damn planet in the divorce. All I got is my bones. <laughs> I love that. That was great. That was a great. That was a great explanation of the bones nickname. I know yeah. some people were probably butthurt about it, but you know what? I thought that was super clever, real cheeky, yeah. and executed properly. Right? It just oh, he totally. said it. It wasn't like a big thing. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they didn't focus in on it awkwardly to be look, look here it is, here it is the MacGuffin. There yep. it is. It's like no, yeah. no, just just yep. just let it in, let it out like a good thought. Yep. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. And that's actually I think how JJ Abrams described it in the in the making of documentary as well. <laughs> yeah, there's so many so many great parts of that and Carl Urban was such a great bit of ca- casting for, uh, for yes. Paul, yeah. Oh man. I, I Just love, again that cast oh. was great. Carl Urban, does he have the trifecta? Can he retire right now? He's got Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. He's got Star Trek. Is there a that's third right. like franchise that he's just like MCU? Really big? MCU. MCU. There you go. He was in a he was in Thor Ragnarok. Oh, that's right. Yep. If it's yep. big enough to give him royalties for the rest of his life, we may not see him again, like uh, Orlando. Well, and I mean, think of it this way: he was also in Dread, which is, mm. in my mind, yeah. one of the most criminally underrated uh, flicks of the past few years. Well, few years It's probably like ten years old now. But the fact that that never got a sequel is just criminal i think he but was so good call, it's got the cult following kind of like event horizon and stuff like wasn't great when it came out but all of a sudden everybody loves it yeah. it's just a, yeah. a cult, uh, cult flick i i think there's a lot of people who loved it but i think it was yeah i think it's it's definitely cult um mm-hmm. event funny enough i just started watching event horizon the other night oh. at like a at like 10 30 at night and i kind of forgot like i knew it was sci-fi Ooh. flick i forgot how much horror it's, is involved it's in that. not that's, sci-fi it's not that's, high that's sci-fi. gonna screw you up man yeah oh yeah i started watching it at a certain point i'm like and we're done i don't i Listen. don't need this roaming around in my head tonight trying to sleep well I'm you don't good. like the little blood orgy the blood human orgy thing like in your mind murder orgy that's like no just- no no i'm good i'm good i good. yeah i it was funny at the very end of that scene Lawrence fishburne just goes we're leaving. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no other reaction. It was like, we're leaving. Yeah. And, uh, and then my, other, my, other, my favorite line, Sam Neill, you can't leave. She won't let you. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. Sam Neill is so creepy in that. Right from the jump. Yeah. Right from the jump. Like even when he's supposedly normal, he's still messed up. Oh yeah. Oh he's, my god. He's got some marbles rolling around in, in that New Zealand brand of his. Oh yes, he does. And another thing. Man, they called Tim. What do you got? Uh, so I uh, a couple weeks back, just kind of perusing the Netflix, uh, I happened upon a uh, documentary that matches a uh, book I got at, at Christmas. I I've uh, brought up this show in the past, and I'm a huge fan of it now. Um, but uh, it's called Best Wishes, Warmest Regards: The Story of Shit's Creek. Uh, it's it's a documentary about the last season, and uh, and really just you know it, it's not it's no new content in terms of the show but just really about what went into that final season and and just kind of the the familial nature of the you know cast and crew and the the bittersweet nature of kind of wrapping it up uh the the book is really interesting it, it's a complete i mean just just one a, a very comprehensive view into every season every episode um reactions and and uh and just uh comments from from the cast and and members of the crew on on different facets that went into these episodes and uh and i i just find it interesting it's just uh in 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 these times it is it is uh encouraging and fun to find a a show that that just is joy and is kind of comfort viewing and for 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 me this this is one of those shows so if you're looking if you're a fan of the show and you haven't seen the uh, documentary yet do check it out it is very well done uh, and as as is the uh, the the book of the same name, uh, if if you're a little bit of a geek when it comes to uh, just the minutia of of a show such as this, uh, it does not disappoint. So best wishes, warmest regards, the story of Shit's Creek. Enjoy. Very nice. Jimmy Dice, uh, and of course, uh, we are going to tell every single one of the listeners of the Free Range of DC Congregation, they ought to be listening to scruffy-looking podcasters. We'll have a link to that in the show oh, notes. Is there anything that you've, uh, you've really watched, shouldn't. listened to? We suck. We're off. Can I ask a question before he goes, though? So yeah. are you guys going to keep Chris doing the Tamura Morrison thing long after the book, the, the, the Boba Fett book is done? Because that, that segment is absolutely hysterical if only for the 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 gyrations this poor man must go through to try to not break in the middle of it so well he uh, actually because we stare at each other on a camera you know so yeah, much right. what we're doing right now except my camera's not working but regardless he will actually yeah. look away from us he can't look at us we're all just <laughs> absolutely dying and if he looks at us he has to just like break character and redo it we've redone those so many times um, he was, he was super hungover this week, so he couldn't, uh, he wasn't up to, we just recorded yeah. episode 186 last night Nice, and, um, hence why I'm a little slow myself today, um, <laughs> recorded it live, uh, in person with my buddy Ed Bossart over nice. up in, uh, up at his house. I stayed over at his house last night Very and uh, cool. daddy, daddy getting out of the house for a weekend night. It was pretty fun. Um, nice. but yeah, yeah, that's, uh, um, if possible, we will keep him going with those. Yes, nice. And and for the listeners, what, what what's the book called again? It's um, oh gosh, I listened to it and I can't even remember the title of it. It's um, you know, you really had to ask me. Uh, be more Boba Fett. Be more Boba Fett. And and so yeah. what what the artist Chris Hall will do is read the the text in his Tamura Morrison. Uh, you know, just just his his way of doing Tamura Morrison, and it is just it's really funny. So. Do, that's difficult to do. do check it out yes speculate things <laughs> speculate things 
On the Sands of Tatooine. On the Sands of Tatooine. Yeah, this is the uh, Be More Boba Fett, Always Get the Job Done by Joseph J. Franco. Nice. We did one uh, Be More Yoda earlier on by Christian Blovelt, uh, which was really fun. Then we did a Be More Vader, uh, which was also done by Christian Blovelt. But yep. yeah, the um, Be More Boba Fett is is so hilarious it's so much fun little nuggets of life wisdom done as timur morrison <laughs> done oh as a, a very awkwardly hilarious laughing timur morrison voice <laughs> fantastic <laughs> oh man but yeah, oh, man, my, I, uh, I, I, just real quick i just want to say thank yeah. you guys for having me on this is really fun i love talking about star wars and i love and talk about Star Trek. Star Trek's one of my more favorite things. I was actually a Star Trek fan way before a Star Wars fan. So um, this is just uh, really fun and really cool too. I love seeing, I love how we all had different uh, number ones for our top Star Trek movie ever. I think that's just cool how, how you know, Star Trek kind of hits everybody a little bit differently uh, yeah, in mm-hmm. the feels and like what you take away from it, what's special to you. And to me, that's, I find that the, some of the most interesting things. So, uh, yeah. very cool. Love it. Nice. Well, for me, uh, my end, another thing for this episode is a little something that's local for Maine. So if you're not in Maine, you're kind of out of luck on this one. However, if you are in Maine, it's worth the drive. Uh, it's going to be lucky pigeon brewing company in Biddeford, Maine. And they are Maine's first dedicated gluten-free brewery. Uh, and for someone such as myself, who is celiac and uh, a a beer snob from back in the day, to have beer taken away from you kind of sucks, to put it lightly. Um, so this was really cool when they opened this up very, almost in my backyard, which is uh, also more temptation than I really need. <laughs> Um, I, I drive, I drive North and there is a, there is an excellent donut place that has gluten-free donuts of different types that are delicious. And I drive South and I've got gluten-free beer. I don't need these things in my life this close to my home. It's like your version of Homer Simpson's heaven. You got donuts to the North, beer to the South. (laughs) I know. Heck yeah. I I have to drive past the donut place every morning to go to the gym. Oh, oh, and then. And then, okay, so here's the other part. The other day, I came out of the gym, came out of the gym, oh. I'm driving down the road, and I got behind this this van, and I noticed it's the van from the donut place that has the gluten-free donuts. <laughs> like, I had to drive, I had to drive behind this guy the whole way from oh, the gym gosh. to the office. I'm like, I don't, I don't need this. I'm a, I'm a weak man. I am a weak-willed <laughs> man. I do not need this. Temptation right in front of my face. Fantastic. Anyways, back to the beer. Uh, They are, I got to tell you, this stuff is just fantastic. Like they have done such a great job. They got a master brewer from uh, from another brewery that was not a gluten free brewery. Started off with four uh, beers. They had a blonde, they had a pale ale, a brown ale, which is really cool because there's not a lot of like darker gluten free beers. And then they had a New England IPA, Mm. which I was kind of done with IPAs because it's one of the one of the beers that they tend to do a lot of gluten-free breweries do IPAs. So I kind of got burned out on these. This is absolutely excellent. Hmm. Absolutely excellent. And now they've actually added two more beers. Uh, they have a Belgian style ale, which is my new favorite. Um, so many different flavors you've got. Uh, they described as rustic grains and aromatic citrus peel balance, spicy notes of clove and banana. There are so many layers to this. It is unbelievable. Nice. Sure, um, sure. 
And they actually have a new one that they've just started. Everything is in cans, but they also have a tap room that you can go in and sample at. This one is brand new in cans. They have a, it's called Stage Island Stout, which is an absolute rarity for gluten-free beers to actually have a stout. And oh my gosh, this stuff is awesome. Oh my gosh. <laughs> It's so hard not to just – I'm glad they're only open a couple days a week because otherwise I could probably find myself there many times. <laughs> but if you're anywhere in the vicinity of Biddeford, Maine, they're not shipping yet. But uh, make sure you go by. I'll have a link in the show notes. And even if you're not yeah, gluten-free, yeah. they've had a ton of people stopping by who are not gluten-free. But it's just like, oh, it's a new brewery. And they're they're like, oh, my gosh, this is actually really good even for a gluten-free beer. Because it's – I mean, gluten-free beer, it's sort of like gluten-free bread. Like after a while, you, you, you lose your ability to distinguish what's actually good because it's been so long since you've actually had real bread or real beer. Right. So when you're like, oh, no, this is really good. And someone who's actually had like, you know, real bread, they're like, that's terrible. Yeah. My God, your life is nothing but sadness and just, you know. Sadness and dread. <laughs> yeah. It's actually, yes, exactly. That's, you know, <laughs> the taste of a gluten-free is sadness. That's let's just face it. Yeah. Um, but if you uh, if you're anywhere in the vicinity, definitely be sure to check them out. And uh, they are fantastic. So thank you once again to Jimmy Dice for joining us. We do appreciate you uh, being with us and mm-hmm. uh, putting up with our idiocy and uh, shenanigans and adding your own shenan- shenanigans. Because The, the uh, pleasure you know, was all mine. Well, that's good. You, you smooth talk of you. Um, and thank you. Thank you again also to uh, all of our listeners, the members of the Free Range Idiocy Congregation. We do appreciate you all spending time with us, listening from the scriptures of idiocy. Well, at least two idiots and, and Jimmy Dice. You know, he's he has <laughs> elevated the IQ of this show uh, by a little bit, at least. Oh, what they call prestigious. Prestigious. Um, <laughs> pretty idiotic. <laughs> well yeah but here's this is a, sort of like a, you know the one-eyed person is uh in the land of the blind the one-eyed man is king yes it's pretty much the, the thing here like you don't you don't have to be faster than the bear you just have to be faster than the guy next to you that's really the same sort of thing here um so thank you to all the listeners we do appreciate it. if you have not subscribed be sure that you go to freerangeidc.com and you can download all of our episodes there you can also find us on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and others just be sure to search for free range idiocy you can also find us on these social medias because dang it we love us some us we are on facebook we are on the instagram we are on the twitters you can find us at all three of those at free range idiocy and if you have any thoughts concerns any outright offerings of bribery any complaints especially if you have complaints don't send them to me because that i don't care i just don't care really i just i'll tell you to go pound sand however the man they call tim is an empathetic caring human being you send those to tim at freerangeidc.com and he will tell you to go pound sand but in a much nicer way than i do so be sure that you send those to him i will listen yes he will listen i mean he's not going to do it he's not going to do a damn thing but he'll listen so i mean you got that going for you which is nice so now we come to the end of the time when I stop flapping my gums and we turn this over to the man they call Tim to kick us home on the anchor leg, but not before we ask the second most important question ever asked by humankind. The first, of course, being what is hip? The second being, the hell did we learn this episode? Uh, we've learned the following, my friend. Uh, we've, ah, good. We've learned the man they call Tim when uh, given adequate time can actually do the math correctly for the real and jabroni. Yeah, but he can't watch some Star Trek movies now, can he? No, he can't. Oh, wow. No, he can't. Hey. And he needs to. 
but we again thank our, our junior division for participating and look forward to uh, potentially uh, other uh, instances of them joining us. Uh, of course, we'll probably be pressed for a prize the more we do this with them. Uh, and actually, I just want to send out, I just want to send out uh, my own personal thanks to the junior division and Jackson. I just want you to know, I think you ought to get that Lego set. I think that you totally <laughs> should. You earned that, my man. You earned that. You earned that. You, 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 you know what? I'll, I'll put in a good word with the old man. You know, <laughs> we'll see about, you know, getting his credit card and, and we'll see if we can make that happen. Oh, man. Indeed. <laughs> uh, and uh, we've if also you were a learned. Lesser man, I'd kill you where you stand. We have also learned that uh, if, if Uncle Todd or the man they call Tim picks your team to win something, you're not going to oh, win it. it. So just, just know that up front. Um, Sorry in advance. Good Lord. We, we apologize to the city of Cincinnati for, for selecting the Bengals. You know oh, what? Actually, I, I don't. They got some pretty good chili. They had WKRP. That's a good run. You know, it that's is. a that's that's pretty good. Better than like you know Dayton, Ohio. I mean, what if? Just a, I don't know why I picked on Dayton, Ohio. I don't know either. I, don't don't. Do have any don't listeners in Dayton, Ohio? From Dayton, please. Oh yeah, because that's gonna do it. It isn't like the three-hour episodes and other than the <laughs> idiot on Grand Skit. It's me talking about yeah. That's okay. Totally it. All right. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, and if we've learned nothing else from our, our jibber-jabber on uh, the various Star Trek movies, a lot of good content there. The man they call Tim has some viewing to do with the J.J. Abrams movies, uh, ha- has not seen them, needs to see them, needs to see the motion picture because uh, y- you know it's a good movie when it has the motion picture in a title. Uh, but finally, <laughs> we also learned uh, from from uh, the three of us here, great cross-section of number ones, uh, you know, just, just really good good movies overall uh, that have come out of this franchise. And, and hopefully we'll see more more to come uh, with, with maybe a little more creativity and twist to them than what we've seen in the past. So with all that being said, uh, as we like to close our show, uh, be safe, be healthy. Be kind, be good to one another. And uh, as always, uh, because, well, we got to save some money and pay the bills, please hit the lights on the way out. That's right, I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon, what did you say? You're wrong. You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. (laughs) Get out and don't come back. Until you've redeemed yourselves. No more Mr. Night Guys! Can we help Steven get a peek? Do it. He's the best. Love it. No, Patrick, it's too late to get in on the bracket. Oh, good lord. (laughs) You're going to break out Patrick, huh? No. No, you... No, they 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 had never. It was a rumor. Quentin Tarantino hasn't done a Star Trek movie yet. <laughs> now get the hell out of here!